When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, welcome in, folks. Uh, four minutes after 12 here on your Monday, August the 7th. Afternoons with Staff. You know, Staff, uh, this week, he is uh, he's taking a week off to do various activities around the country. So, uh, Sammy filling in for the next five days. And the next three hours, I'm very much looking forward to because we have a lot of sport from the weekend to cover off, a lot of discussion to get into. Uh, you can call anytime 0800 150 You can text in on double eight double three. We have an All Blacks Rugby World Cup squad being named at 5 o'clock this evening and that I imagine is going to take up a lot of the discussion uh, this afternoon. However, uh, keen to pick apart that performance against the Wallabies uh, on the weekend. Uh, we also want to talk a little bit of Warriors today, uh, well, NRL in general, but Warriors, uh, just through the call out to Smithy just before 12 o'clock. Um, as optimistic as I am for this team and how well they're playing, I still don't think they can win a premiership in 2023. I don't think they're at that level yet. Sure, they've got room to improve. They may improve over the next three or four games, but just from what I saw from Penrith and the Broncos over the weekend, once again, it's a Broncos team without Adam Reynolds too. Um, those two teams are just ahead. I'm going to say streaks ahead, but they're well ahead of the chasing pack. And already a text in here saying, if you can see the Warriors in the grand final, anyone can win on their day. I love the sentiment, but against Penrith, who are just so good, and the Eels fans were really um, optimistic last year and just got completely towed up. It, it's just such a different ball game, and the Panthers found that out in 2020 when they made their first grand final in, in Donkey's years playing the Storm, and you could see just in the first 20 minutes, and they were the best team of the year that year as well, Penrith, in the first 20 minutes, they just, the occasion got to them, the emotion of it, they were trying too hard. Melbourne, who had been there so many times before, just sat back, let them come at them and just went about their work. And I can just see whoever plays Penrith this year running into a similar sort of fate. But I still am optimistic and I still think they can get to a point where they can challenge. But right now, as it stands, and after that game against the Titans, I still think the Warriors are a wee way off. You might want to have your say on that, 0800 150 811 or 8833. Uh, the Silver Ferns as well. Um, not a heap of noise really around the Silver Ferns finishing fourth at the World Cup, which is their lowest finished ever in history, but 
you've got to ask the question, as one of our premier uh, national teams for women's sports, probably up there alongside the Black Ferns, um, fourth place at a World Cup, not acceptable for a lot of people. Should we feel aggrieved, given the circumstance of no Grace uh, Wiki, who got injured uh, early on in the tournament? Uh, plenty of changes had to be made. Or is that on the the sort of management and the players to not be able to react to that and not have a plan B and not have a game plan if something like that happened. That's another question that I think probably should be asked. So uh, 0800 uh, Between now and 1 o'clock, we will open the lines because there is just so much to talk about and I would love to get your thoughts. Uh, but we will kick off with the uh, with the All Blacks. If you want to talk about uh, the game against Australia in Dunedin, we'd, we'd love to talk you through that one. Um, watch that one. 2.30 wasn't it? Afternoon kickoff, which was great to see. Uh, but also this All Black squad that's going to get named uh, at 5 o'clock tonight. Has anything changed in your mind after Dunedin? Have, have any players played their way in or out of a jersey? Do you think Fozzie's already got the team in mind? And, and you know, it's, it's just really, I don't know, process. Um, I've got my sort of penciled in team here. Very interested to see how you see it and the makeup as well, whether you go with the 19-14 the split or the 18-15, depending on whether Brody's injured and whether you take him at all, if, if he is does have a niggle. 0800 Midday Madness, we're going to kick it off with your calls right now. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah. Okay, jump on the phone lines and give us a bell. We'll uh, start down in Christchurch with Mikey, always the first man on the board. G'day, Mikey. <laughs> yeah, g'day, mate. Hey, uh, I do like your comments regarding the Warriors. Um, I think I think tempering expectations is a wise thing before people lose their heads. And, um, you know, cautiously optimistic. I think it's probably a, a fair turn, mm-hmm. a, fair, a fair way to be, do you reckon, for, for the Warriors? Yeah. Well, I think, like, I, I, I always do want to stay, I guess, positive and optimistic, Mikey, but I always do look at more the the potential or the possibility. So do the Warriors have the squad to win it? Are they playing good enough football to win it? And after asking myself those questions after the Titans game, I just sort of found myself saying, ugh, maybe we're just not quite there yet. It's not to say we can't sort of prove something in the next four games and maybe even leading into the fi- you know first week of the finals or whatever, <laughs> but I just think if, you, if you're a Warriors fan and you, and you haven't sort of watched too much of Penrith or, Bron- or the Broncos over the last couple of weeks, watch their game this week, and those two teams are just on another level, Mikey. They are. Yeah, yeah. Um, regarding the All Blacks, which is one of the more shocking first halves I've seen in a while, mm-hmm. um, if this was last year, we would have lost that game. So, so I think there's cause to be optimistic there. Um, I think in terms of the squad coming up, you know, it was the old heads that pulled us out of the fire there, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, you know, it's definitely concerned for me that that Richie's definitely got to be the starting first five. Um, Damien was kind of just. Back to his old running around like a headless chicken a little bit. Um, I know he's good, and I know he's probably the probably the form Super Rugby um, player. But I think when the, when it, when it, when the you know the heat comes on, Richie's our guy. Um, Sean Stevenson really didn't sort of say to me that he deserves to be in the All Black squad this year. I'm sure his time will come. Um, I thought defensively in the first half he was pretty frail. Um, those two tries were down his end and he didn't really show much. Considering when you see a guy like Finley Christie who smashed into a lock and took him down, Finley Christie can't even get the guy, sorry, uh, Sean Stevenson couldn't get those two guys 
uh, for those first two tries. But that, I mean, that comes down to everyone else as well. Um, and I really, really hope that Leicester gets the call up because to me, he is also like another, uh, almost like a loose forward. He's hungry for work. Uh, he's strong. He's fast. And like I say, he's almost like another loose forward as well. Mm, he had a, he what had do you a, think? Yeah, no, he had a great game as well um, on Saturday, Mikey. I think um, the, the point that I was making to Smithy just before 12 is um, I, I know like Finlay Christie to me, I, I'm, a, I'm a Chiefs man. I've always been a, a big Brad Webber fan. I feel like I still have him over Christie in terms of um, the pecking order, yeah. but I know the way Foster's thinking. But, you know, could, is it too harsh to sort of call these guys out, especially Sean Stevenson? You know, after one game where he was basically put in to prove himself in a team that already had a raft of changes around it, you know, it's not like this was a, the All Blacks' first team with Sean Stevenson. It, it was him in and around a bunch of guys that were new that hadn't played together. Damien at first five. I just wonder if you know maybe that they were almost set up to fail in a way, if you know what I mean. Yes, I, I hear what you're saying, but it kind of just proves that what when it comes to the World Cup time crunch. It's just confirmed a lot of suspicions that people may have had or um, that, that it's not their time yet. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's all it says to me. Their time will definitely come. I mean, he's too talented to not make um, the team probably in the next couple of years with um, Razor in charge. Mm. Um, but for now, I mean, right now it's all about we've just got to win every game. We've got to. We've got any chance of getting this World Cup. Mm-hmm. We don't want um, a couple of guys just trying to prove themselves. Well, yeah, the, time will come. The other, the other concerning thing as well, potentially for people who didn't uh, like DMAC's performance on Saturday, Mikey, is next year, with no Richie and no Bodie, DMAC probably is the first choice, first fight. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. I was just <laughs> thinking that. No, no, there's quite a lot going. going so it's going to be quite a, a, a rough and ready, brand new young team. Um, I guess Artie will be still be there. Is he there or is he going on a sabbatical? I, I, I thought he was going on sabbatical, but someone in the office said he's going on a sabbatical but still available for the All Blacks or still going to play the, for the All Blacks. So I don't know how that yeah, works, but yeah. that's supposedly what's going there, on. There'll be, there'll be sort of a, certainly a look of the sort of the baby blacks almost, won't there, next year. But yeah. anyway, that's next year. And, yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll focus yeah, on this one, Mikey. I, 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 who, 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 yeah. So who do you think's unlucky? You sort of mentioned Sean Stevenson. Who else do you think's unlucky not to uh, make the side come 5 o'clock this evening? Uh, well, I, I'm going to throw out... Um, I, I just worried about Felista. That's that's my only concern, really. Um, I just worried that they'll go with um, someone like Caleb Clark. Yeah, well, Whereas that's... I would be going say nineteen fourteen sort of split, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd be going, and I'd be using for my back line those who can play multi positions because the guys who are playing the wing, even though it's not their preferred position, are playing better than some of the wingers. Yep. So like Caleb. So obviously you got Shooter, Fyinganuku, probably Caleb Clark. Nada was in there as well, although he hasn't played this year. So. Uh, sort of a, yeah, it's, it's sort of between those those few for probably one one spot, yeah. one or two spots. So yeah, very, 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 I would say. very interesting, Mike. I appreciate your yeah. call as always, my friend. Okay. Um, love it, and we'll, right. we'll catch up again later in the week. Uh, Mark from Tolonga. G'day, Mark. Yeah, kia ora, mate. Um, yeah, one thing that was uh, uh, kind of um, hit me the last two NRL seasons is um, come the finals, basically the Panthers, they're playing two games less than everyone else in the in the in the tournament the way because what they do is obviously they rest they're right they're in a position to rest everyone well let's say ten guys last round of the season mm-hmm. they go in fresh then they win one game and basically they're almost in the final aren't they so that's that's the tactic they've used and it'll be interesting to see if they're going to be in that position again this year. 
Yeah, well, um, and then just come, come the um, final against the Eels last year, that was very noticeable. The the the, uh, the Eels they had played what against South Sydney, I think it was coming into it, and mm-hmm. they that was their final the, the the week before. Yeah, and that's and that's sort of what I worry about a little bit with uh, the Warriors. Mark is obviously round one of the finals is probably going to be Brisbane away, so it's at Suncorp. And look, let's just yep. say we do get up there, then we get the week off. Then that semi final yep. is is going to be an absolute barn burner. It could be you know take your pick out of the Storm, the Rabbitohs, um, the, the Cowboys if they're inside the top eight, the Knights if they're still firing, and. The amount yeah. of, and it's a lot, you know, it's emotion, it's fitness, it's skill that will go into winning that game and making the grand final. You, you listen, you, you talk to um, the, the guys who are involved in both the 02 and the 2011 grand final for the Warriors, and they all admit that by the time they got to the grand final, they were just spent. They, they'd used so right. much to get there. By the time they got there, yep. they were just drained. And and once again, I just go back to like take Penrith out of the picture and one hundred percent, I'd I'd flip a coin. You know, the Warriors one hundred percent could win a grand final. But with Penrith there, like you said, who are now so used to just marching their way through, they know when to rest guys, they know when to play them, they know how to do it under pressure. They had the grand final loss in twenty twenty. It's just so hard yep. to see any team being able to match that in a grand final. No, totally, I get you. It'll be interesting to see our levels of stamina right now as, as like as today because the game in the weekend was one of the first games where I kind of felt like we weren't able to hold them down. We weren't controlling that ruck speed at all, mm. and that was against 12 guys. That was kind of the, one of the first games I'd say I've seen for a long time for the Warriors yeah. this year. Yeah, that's fair. I think the, that, the middle, the yeah. middle for sure, in that second half, um, particularly for that sort of twenty minutes after we scored the try, just after half time, the middle got totally dominated for us. And that right. is, I mean, we've got yeah. one of the best packs in the comp. Like you said, we've we've very rarely had a game where that's happened because the guys are just so fit. But I saw our middle sort of get torn apart, and um, that's. I mean, I I still think fitness wise, the Warriors do have one of. The, I mean, Fanua Blake's playing upwards of seventy minutes, you know, for a prop. I mean, we do yeah. have one yeah. of the fittest teams, but you know, I've heard sort of around the traps over the last couple of games guys have been dealing with flus and sickness and and yep. aches and pains so I know Webby said he wasn't going to rest anyone but there may if there's a chance there may be a need for it you know just just one just yep. one week heading into the finals well we've got we've got Ali we've got Afoa Lasik Kossi all these guys kind of they they are well that's the thing do if we're in a position we win, we win the next three games uh, is it an option to rest them against the Dolphins, that's obviously, that's the blueprint that's been in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that's the question that will have to be asked um, come, come that period. Obviously, we've got a few games to go before we get to that point because we could, you know, we might not have that luxury. So mm. it'd be interesting, but I'm a big fan of um, Kossi. I think he's come on leaps and bounds and... Uh, it's great to have him waiting in the wings. Yeah, a couple of guys coming back. Um, obviously, tomorrow Martin still a big question mark over him, but Jazz back, and yep. um, Jazz probably still needs you know a week or two to get his feet back under him because he was a little bit slow off the pace on on the weekend. But you know it, there are still guys to come back, so um, that, you got to throw that in there as well. Um, and I think Chance he'll be off next week because of the HIA, so that sort of gives right. him a, him a break. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see Mark as we head towards that that Dolphins game. Yeah. If we do get three wins, uh, how's it going to look? Yeah. yeah. No, totally. Well, I'll be at the game on in Hamilton, so I hope uh, it's a full house. So, uh, yep. hope everyone turns up early and gets to the uh, New South Wales match as well. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. Uh, that'll be fantastic. Appreciate you, call my friend. Uh, yeah, the game Brilliant. in ha- the game in Hamilton uh, is a sellout, and I saw a post uh, on one of the sort of sporting Facebook pages that talked about. Um, not booing the Tigers when they run out and when they're kicking and everything because 
you know, the Tigers are the only team that said yes to bringing a game to New Zealand and good on them for what, you know, repaying the Warriors for what they did during COVID. No other team um, has said yes to that. So a big shout out to the Tigers. I think they deserve a lot of respect uh, on what is going to be a sellout game on uh, on Saturday down in Hamilton. Uh, one more quick call before the break. Uh, Dino from Dunedin. G'day, Dean. You guys, how are you getting on? Good, my friend. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to this All Black team at five o'clock, as I think a lot of people are. Like, for me, I I just don't know on the Christie thing. Like, I, I honestly thought they picked him a couple of years back just to stop him going to Scotland or to force Scotland to tick a box, say the Pacific Islands at the World Cup this year would be a hell of a lot stronger, and that worked. And he's made every sort of post a winner. He's, I just don't think he's what they really want. Like, I think Weber will jump ahead of him and they'll possibly take Roygaard as like just a point of difference. It was Fokotava for a point of difference, but then he got injured. Roygaard sort of made every post a winner with TJ being injured. So I think they're rewarding super form. That Just unfortunate the weekend that they made so many changes. So you couldn't really see certain individuals. Like for me, I really wanted to see Sean Stevenson play with the best back line. I think Leicester's the number 11 yep. through and through. That's just lock him in. He was a form... He's, he's the form wing in world rugby, if we're brutally honest with it. Without being arrogant, he actually is. Like He's like another loose forward. He helps Artie out more than Sam does in the broken play, if you ask me. But Sam's our captain and does a good job of that. But mm. He's just very, very handy. We've got lots of interesting puzzles. There's going to be some really talented players that would play for anyone else left at home. Yeah. Hey, Dino, um, the, the halfback question is an interesting one because I know Joey Wheeler talked about this yesterday on SCNZ. Cam Roygaard, no one doubts, is a very, very prodigious talent and, and is probably going to be an all-black for, for the years to come. But at a World Cup, if Aaron Smith gets injured, do you want Cam Roygaard or Finlay Christie as a starting halfback over Brad Weber in a, in a knockout game? No, I want Brad Weber. I want Brad Weber. I don't think Aaron. there'd be many people who disagree with you, Dean. Seriously, I, I think as as good as you know Christie ha- has been in the past, or for Super Rugby level, and as good as Cam Roygaard is going to be, if Aaron Smith went down, and that is our number one, either Christie or Roygaard, because it's all well and good talking about them as the, as the substitute at the 60th minute, but if we're talking about if if you know, God forbid, Aaron Smith goes down, these guys starting for the All Blacks in a quarter final or a semi final or a final. Versus a Brad Weber who you know has has a ton more experience in the black jersey. It's it's an interesting question. Well, I think he, I'm hoping he was told. Like I mean, I think I'd put Billy Harmon in the same same bracket. To be brutally honest, like like obviously down here at the Highlanders, we just he just gives you 80 minutes week after week after week, and I don't see too many other players with that same work rate in that particular position. And he actually gets turnovers. Like as much as I love Sam Kane's shoulders, I can't remember the last time he got a turnover. So I'm not sure whether that's really the job description of a seven now or we get a number 11 to do it because he gets a hell of a lot more. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I mean, it's it's just the game changes so damn fast and we have all these different rules. It's, it is quite hard to keep up with. And I've been quite pleasantly surprised, actually, that our forwards haven't been penalised off the park through playing these ridiculous rules for Super Rugby when you know come World Cup time we're not going to have them. But it hasn't really affected us. We've knuckled down really, really well. And I think a lot of that will come down to Ryan Smith and Foster just getting them back on the right page. And I think Saturday really showed we've just got to pick 15, stick with it. Whether I agree or not, no one's business really. My team doesn't play. But rotate the reserves if you want to. So they come on 
into a really good side, and then you can actually judge them and be a little bit more critical. I think you've got to be fair about it. Like Stevenson, I think they gave him the benefit of the doubt by leaving him on there. I think they do want him. Mm. Caleb Clark can only play left wing. Well, Lester's back, so he's not. It's not going to happen if Lester hurts himself, and they think Caleb Clark is their next best left winger. He's on the plane tomorrow. Not like the girl done in the netball. She should have been over there as soon as Wiki got hurt, but they didn't do that. Mm. So I think they'll do that, if you know what I mean. We've got the luxury to do that. But you've got Stevenson that can cover a few positions in the back line. Leicester covers from centre out. You can bloody near play loose forward. Take your points, Dean, and a great call as always, mate. Uh, lots of texts coming in on double eight, double three. Brad's actually sent in his team, and that's an interesting one from you, Brad. Nineteen fourteen split you've gone, as opposed to probably the eighteen fifteen. So I imagine you've dropped the back. I'll need to go and have a look through it. Although I see you've got Stevenson and Nutawa um, in your back, so that's that's interesting. Uh, keep your calls coming though. Oh eight hundred one five zero eleven. Love to chew the fat on uh, this All Black squad as well as that performance on Saturday. Uh, we're talking Warriors as well. Uh, the win over the Titans and sort of how you view them now with four games to go and. Are you like me and you feel like maybe the grand final is just a little bit too far away for winning it? Um, or are you still are you still just as confident, just a just a sort of blip against the Titans because it wasn't a great performance? Uh, and we're also talking a little bit of Silver Ferns later on. Um, so give us a call on that. Uh, 0800 150 11. We'll take a break. Come back with your texts and calls after this. 28 minutes past, to, uh, past after 12. Past 12? I guess it is past 12 and after 12 as well. But now it's 29 minutes past 12. SENZ. Uh, Sammy sitting in for staff for this week. Give us a call 0800 Talking the All Black squad. Just a quick text from uh, Tim, who has given me Brad Webber's uh, stats 18 tests for the All Blacks. Finlay Christie 17 tests. Need to be informed when you are making statements to the listeners. Christie far better on D and has a quicker pass. Tim, uh, my point probably more around Brad Webber being 32 versus Finlay Christie 27 and the fact that Brad Webber's been to a World Cup and Finlay Christie hasn't. Also, Finlay Christie's played, I think, five or six games against Tonga, Fiji, Samoa. I wouldn't, I mean, I know the test matches, but I just think um, in bigger moments, Weber's had more of the, I would say, more of the experience. So that's probably more the point I was getting to. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Scotty's called in from Wellington. G'day, Scott. Hey, Sammy. How are you? Good, my friend. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I'll touch base on the Warriors. Um, I just wanted to. Um say uh, it was a good effort once again from uh, obviously the crowd up in Auckland for the uh, football to hit over 43,000 this time for a game that uh, no New Zealand team were playing and yeah. I see that um, Sky, uh, what do they call it uh, Wellington Regional Stadium for this um, is sold out again on Friday yeah, fantastic. Um, I've been loving the football, um, Scott, even with the, with the um, football ferns gone. I, I watched most of the games over the weekend, that USA game last night. Uh, brutal for them and their fans. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been fantastic, and the crowd's still still large, which is uh, which is a bonus too. Oh, exactly, exactly. I was going to say, is, uh, did, uh, is it Casey? Did yeah, she, mate, she, I, she is looking dejected, man. I t- like, I actually <laughs> felt bad sort of walking over to her and talking to her this morning. But she will come on, Scotty. She will come on uh, around about 2.20 this afternoon to uh, to let us know her feelings uh, about her beloved USA crashing out in the uh, round of 16. Oh, nice. It's, it's good to hear her thoughts on it. She's, she's um, you know, made some good points across the whole thing, which has been awesome to listen to. Oh, she picked to, Japan, so, Scotty. She um, picked Japan. I know. I wish I had jumped on that with the money that they were paying. So yeah, yeah. I've got to start listening to, to her and Kempi a bit more, I think. Um, <laughs> Don't listen to Kempi. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to. <laughs> um, no, just some of the worries. I, I've got to say, it was the good thing, I think, to come out of that game is like looking at the run home. Obviously, 
it, it's no game's an easy game, but I think looking at it, we did have the easier run in and it was actually probably good to actually get a, a tough game for the Warriors um, because if we went going into the finals, you know, you don't want to go in completely flogging teams because you're not really tested. And I think the good thing that to come out of that is obviously we were pretty flat on attack mm. and, and if you look, and you would have noticed, we were pretty bunched at times. Um, we still managed to hang in and, and, you know, to beat them by 10 points at the end of the day just shows how far they've come and, you know, it was a good test, another good test that they had passed. And, oh. um, you know... Hopefully they don't. Um, I mean, I know they won't. Webster won't let them. But um, the Tigers showed obviously in Canberra that they can play. And um, you know, ho- hopefully it's another one next weekend. And we're just going to know that we can't take the Tigers easy at the same time, no matter how bad they've been this season. Yeah, Scotty. I, and I, just you know, whilst I was sort of um, playing a little bit of devil's advocate around the grand final stuff. Um, you know, to- no matter how tough a game is and whether you play poorly and what the scoreline reads, as long as you get the two points at the end, I think's the key. And that for the Warriors, they didn't play their best football. It was a bit of a grind. There was niggle. There were send-offs. They were playing against 12 men. So just to get the two points is a massive tick because you can. Yeah, they could have gone another way and we would have been, you know, even more disappointed. Here. Not to mention the fact that you know one of the Titans tries came off a uh, came off a knock on. Um, there were a couple of other calls yep. that didn't go the Warriors' way. So um, yeah, for sure needed to get the needed to get the win. And the bunching up thing's interesting because um, Blake Ashford talked about this in the commentary about how the Warriors, you know, the bread and butter for them is going through the middle, um, and, and with obviously the four pack we've got and then using the edges when we when we've got them on the back foot. Whereas on Friday we were sort of trying to go wide too early and now you remember Andrew Webster after the Rabbitohs loss and the Roosters loss those two games in the rain at Mount Smart sort of saying the same thing we were trying to go around them rather than going up through the middle so it's something that I think they need to just be a little bit more aware of moving forward into these last four games and maybe into the finals that they you've got to use that pack you know to the best of its ability before you start trying to bring in the guys on the edges um, because, you know, Fanua Blake and Barnett and, and Nia Corday and Jackson Ford, I mean, these guys are, are having career seasons. Um, so we need to be just, yep. you know, absolutely going up through the guts, I reckon. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting last four games. Oh, exactly. No, I fully, fully agree with you on that. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you don't want to count your chickens yet, but, um, I mean, it's looking more and more likely if we do finish third, it'll be Brisbane that we obviously go over there first and play them over there. So, um, you know, you want to be mentally tough for that because it's not going to be an easy game over at Suncorp. Nah, it'll be brutal. Um, Scotty, do you want to have a, a word on the All Blacks as well? <laughs> I'm not a rugby man, so I'm the wrong man to ask. Nah, you're, you're right, you're right, Scotty. Appreciate your call as always, my friend. Uh, Scotty calling in from Wellington there. Gary from Upper Hutt, just hold the line. We, uh, we've got to take a break for new sport and weather. Back with your calls after this. Luke Combs, uh, who, was in, who was at the All Blacks in Dunedin and also went into the dressing rooms afterwards. You've never heard of him, country artist. You guys know I'm big on my country. Do love a bit of Luke Combs. I've got uh, Robbie to go out and grab a couple of the classics to play from across the show. We'll see if we can convince you. Give it a bit of more volume there, Robbie, just so people can... Yeah, he's, he's a he's a, uh, a maestro 
of the country music scene and um, I'm a big fan he's playing in Auckland I think might be this week I tried to get tickets impossible to get tickets and if you do want them they're about 3,000 bucks lots of text in on double eight double three with people with their All Blacks team um, which I will get stuck into very very shortly uh, Shane Howarth former All Black and Wales fullback is going to join us after one o'clock and particularly with the discussion around those backs uh, Whanganuku Sean Stevenson Narawa um, Caleb Clark I think he'll be great to get his views on that as well as just the performance on Saturday um, didn't mention as well after two Louis Brown he joins us as he always does on a Monday to talk rugby league and the Warriors and uh, going to get Captain K actually in here as well to talk some netball because um, he's one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever talked to on the game of netball and the Silver Ferns and he's got a lot of thoughts uh, on their premature World Cup not, not exit but they finish fourth uh, in the bronze medal match which I feel like deserves a little bit more criticism than maybe it's getting. Uh, that might just be me. Right, to the texts, Brad. I said I'd mention your one first. You've gone for the 19-14 split. The Groot, Lomax, Tuanga, Fassi, Newell, Moody. Uh, those are your props. That's sort of another question is whether you take five or six props. I personally think uh, you obviously four are going to play on game day because you're going to replace the front row. So you're going to have four on game day. Five, just having one replacement isn't really enough for me. But then again, they have that sort of injury policy, don't they? If one person goes down, you can bring somebody else in. So maybe that's the thinking there. Anyway, Brad says, De Groot, Lomax, Tuanga, Fussing, your Moody. Williams? Oh, so you do have six there. So that's uh, that's from you, Brad. Uh, Taylor Coles, Tokiaho in the, uh, for the hookers. That's good. Uh, Retallick, Whitelock, Barrett, Lord for um, the lock. So you've probably dropped the lock there. Maybe Tubavai misses out. Um, Kane, Savia, Frizzell, Finau, Jacobson, Papali'i. Lots of loose forwards there. Um, you've and you think Jacobson's going to get the nod as well. Uh, Smith, Royguard, Weber, those are your halfbacks. Mawanga, Barrett, McKenzie, Yuani, Barrett, Leonard Brown, Jordan, Talia, Fanganuku, Stevenson, Narawa. Is that you, the team you think is going to get named, Brad, or the team you'd want to get named? I feel like it's the team you want to get named. Um, but you've put in Stevenson and Narawa, which is which is interesting into the backs. Um, I'll keep trying to go through the um. All Blacks first, and then I'll get to the Warriors stuff. Uh, da, da, da. Chase says, um, Hey Sam, Whanganuku and Stevenson, far better defensively than Mark Talia and Caleb Clark have been all year. Yes, they didn't do much on attack in the first 40, but they had to absorb the Aussies throwing everything at them in the first half. My outside backs will be Lester Whanganuku, Sean Stevenson, Will Jordan, Bodie Barrett, Dallas McLeod. Spent a lot of time on the wing for the Crusaders this year, so can cover there as well. And that's from Chase. Uh, Grant over Melbourne says, uh, Kia ora, Sammy D-Max game suffered through Christie's service. Put him on the bench with Weber. Then anything can happen in next year with Roy Gard. Nothing to worry about. Cheers, bro. That's from Grant to Melbourne. That was sort of the point I was making, Grant, was putting these guys in alongside other guys who are also playing for their spots as opposed to putting D-Max against, uh, sorry, with Aaron Smith and or, or Finlay Christie with Richie Mahonga. Excuse me. Um... So yeah, I, I sort of do half agree. But the problem with D-Mac is that his greatest strength is also his greatest weakness, isn't it? That unpredictability um, can sort of go missing when um, when he's put under a little bit of pressure or maybe thinking about it too much. So um, yeah, I guess we won't know unless uh, Richie Mawanga goes down and Damien McKenzie gets the starting role for the World Cup. Um, I'll get to some of the other texts uh, very shortly. Gary from Upper Hutt's called in again though. G'day, Gary. G'day, Sam. Yeah, I think we've got to pray that uh, Damien McKenzie doesn't start that first five in any of those games because I think on Saturday it just proved that uh, he is not starting first five. Um, he was just all over the shop. Mm. 
I wonder too, uh, Gary, I wonder too if he's sort of uh, fallen victim to what Bowden Barrett had early on in his career where he just is such a good player off the bench as an impact player, you know, and, and that almost, because he's so good at that job, maybe that's, that, that, well, that is better than him starting. Well, I think that's exactly where he is best. When he comes on with 15, 20 minutes to go and there's tired legs out there and, like, as everybody says, he runs around like a headless chop, not knowing what he's going to do. Mm. And, my God, with his speed, um, yeah, that's where he's dangerous. At the start where you want a bit of structure and just play into a game plan, I just don't think it works with him. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's, really fair. Don't. that's very fair, Gary. And, and the Chiefs as well play a real different style of rugby that allows Damien to be a bit more unpredictable. So I wonder if that at super yeah. rugby level it's uh, inflated a little bit about you know what, what he's like when he's starting. So I do take your point. What do you think about um, the outside backs? You know, Do you take Stevenson? Do you take Nutterwood? Do you take Caleb Clark? What, what do you, what's your sort of back, backs made up of? Myself, I'd be leaving Caleb Clark out and I'd take Stevenson in, in his place. Everyone else, I think, deserves uh, Leicester. He stays there. Um, yeah, but for me, Clark's just a bit of a one-trick pony, really. And, and he, he's not hungry. When he's on the field, you don't see that real enthusiasm to get his hands on the ball and run with it. Mm. You look at when they put Jordan on the wing, he's looking for that ball. Okay, he's been given a licence, but he wants to be involved. Clark just doesn't do that to me. He just sort of sits there and waits for the ball to come to him. Mm. I, now, I don't really want to knock the guy because he is a good player, but I just don't think he gets involved enough. And just being solely a winger, I just don't think it's enough to carry him through myself. Mm. Yeah, interesting, Gary. And uh, we'll know we'll know in you know four and a half hours. So uh, appreciate your call. My friend, we do have to move on quickly. We've got another caller on the line here, Lyndon. 0800 if you want to give us a call. G'day, Lyndon. Hey mate, how's it going? Very well. Yeah, just on the um, recent All Black game, I definitely thought McKenzie probably didn't do himself that many favours. He kind of went back to, I don't know, looking like a, a fullback playing at 10 and 10 mm. to definitely overkick it, which mm-hmm. um, I must admit, I am a Christie fan and it did make it hard on Christie. I mean, he was great defensively, but the ball hardly came back to him from the first five. I know, you know, it goes to him first, but... He often didn't get that run, and like you say, I think paired up with Mwangi, you would have definitely seen a different halfback, and possibly the other way around with McKenzie. Mm. Um, and moving forward, I don't really see a spot to have McKenzie in 23, you know, on the tough games, because you've kind of got Bowden Barrett, you know, who will definitely start at fullback with Mwanga. If Mwanga went down, well, then Bodie would go to first five, and then Jordan would go to fullback. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one, Lyndon, for the yeah for the World Cup strategy wise because yeah, obviously that's the easy the easiest one to see is someone going down and then um, people shift around. But maybe um, if a game is is tight but they feel like the opposition's fatiguing, it's a good chance to bring McKenzie on probably for Moanga and Bodie goes to ten. Um, but you're right if the, if it's a game where they don't see the need to bring him on, he almost is a wasted spot on the bench um, because yeah, I, I did. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think he'll probably play in some of the other games, but I think if it's a quarter semi, hopefully we get that far. I don't really think you'll probably find room for him in the 23. Um, and then on the Clark thing, I'd like to see Clark go probably in Stevenson, maybe not Nadiwa. Um, I think Clark can be a bit under, underutilised. I think the Blues underutilise him as well. He is that big crash and bash kind of winger. You just kind of kind of get him involved a bit more, a bit like a league winger, you know what I mean? Quickly off yep. the back of the rucks and kind of use that power a bit more direct. But sometimes, yeah, he probably doesn't go looking as much, but he is a different winger than, say, Talia or Jordan. He's a different kind of animal, you know what I mean? He's a bit more 
structured and so on, but I think they probably just need to give him a bit more short in, like a Savia, like Roland, just get him punching that line, you know, or cutting in the centre sometimes as well yeah. to try and get through those close defences that you get from the north, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, Lyndon as well just offers a little bit something different because, yeah, you wouldn't want just uh, four or five guys that all just played the same way. Maybe, yeah, that point of difference in a particular game might be exactly what we need. Um, that's a good point you make. Uh, what about uh, what about the um, the forwards, mate? Is there anyone who you think is going to be a little bit unlucky to miss out? Um, yeah, I mean, I heard earlier calls. I can't see them not taking Papali. I think he has to be for a specialist number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kane's been playing well. You know, I've never been the biggest fan, to be honest, of Kane, but I must admit these last kind of year and a bit, <coughs> he probably has definitely... Um, you know, being been our best number seven. Um, but I think just that injury-prone thing, I think, you know, I think you need to have Papali'i in the 23 on, on most big games, and that way you have got the specialist there, because let's face it, Artie's also a seven, but mm. you start moving them all around again, and then you just start getting that kind of, that missing in there, you know. And I definitely think, you know, Vi has to be there. If they're talking about Lord, you know, maybe for a cover for Vitalik, hopefully he's not out for too long. Um, but yeah, otherwise pretty straightforward. I'd probably take Nepo over Williams. I just think that he's probably like next year onwards. Um, he definitely didn't have his best game on Saturday night. He's been amazing for the Crusaders all year, but I think for the scrummaging fact, I think you probably want Nepo there up the front. He probably is one of our best scrummagers. Um, I mean, the Aussies were definitely pulling them down and so on. You could see that, and he was probably unlucky uh, getting pulled down there, Williams, but. Otherwise, it's pretty laid down Mazir, really, eh? Yeah, well, I, I think, uh, and appreciate you calling, and I think uh, Ian Foster, has been, as has been mentioned in the last couple of weeks, has probably already got the, the 33 in mind anyway, and just uh, there's probably one or two things that he was trying to work out or find out over the weekend. The other question really is about the Wallabies too. Uh, after seeing that, is essentially still there, well, one of their, as close to full strength, I guess you'd say, against our B team. You know, what, what shot do you give them at all of maybe making the semis at the most, if they're lucky? I mean, they're going to be there, there or thereabouts. But and who knows about the North teams? You know, we get this every time. There's a World Cup saying, oh, you know, possibly Wales. We think the biggest pressure will be on France. I mean, if you go with what everyone's saying, yeah, they're going to be the team to beat. But they've never, you know, they have probably been the biggest chokers. They've got close a couple of times, and it is at home, which we know what the home pressure's like. You've got to string up you know, three or four games in a row to hold the cup. I mean, you know, I think it's quite a good position we go and I think we're looking good at the right times. I think we've got a great a great team. Um, so I think maybe it's off us a little bit and hopefully we'll sneak there and, and go all the way. I think we're good enough too, for sure. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Linda. I appreciate your call, my friend. We do have to take uh, a short break. Lots of text to get through as well on double eight double three. We'll be back in a moment. Seven minutes away from one after one o'clock, Shane Howarth, the former uh, All Blacks in Wales fullback, is going to join us to talk about this All Black squad and the game on Saturday in Dunedin. There's so many texts coming through on double eight, double three. I'm going to try to get through as many as I can uh, between one and two. Uh, after two, we're going to chat to Louis Brown, uh, former Warrior, as we do every Monday, the Warriors and the rest of the NRL. And we're going to catch up with Casey Berrier, who, of course, is lamenting the USA being knocked out of the women's. FIFA World Cup last night on penalties to Sweden. I don't know if you saw that, but um, some of the penalties were atrocious. Not that I'm going to go too hard on Casey about that because I don't want to upset her, but man, number one rule as a footballer, people, do not miss the target when you're taking a penalty kick. Does If you get saved, you know, then that's one thing, but missing the target is a massive no-no. You've got to get it on goal. 
Um, and that one was yeah just a crazy ending with the way Sweden got home. Uh, we do have to take one more quick break. When we come back, I'll try to get through a couple of your texts. Okay, here's the plan, team. Um, we're going to take new sport and weather very shortly. After 1 o'clock, we're going to catch up with Shane Howarth, former All Blacks and Wales fullback, and talk through these selections ahead of the squad tonight. And then I'll get through all your texts, okay? I will pro- I promise I will get through your texts between 1 and one thirty. Special surprise for Jimmy Smith at 2.45 today. I wonder, do we do we sort of play it out to our listeners, Robbie, as a teaser, or do we do we keep it for 2.45? It's a great got folks here. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll give you a little taste of what it is. We we have come up, designed, produced, voiced everything, an ad for Coco Magic, and we're going to play it out to Jimmy Smith at two forty five. So make sure you're listening then, okay? New sport and weather coming up next. After that, Shane Howarth is going to chat. All Blacks selections ahead of tonight, five pm. Oh, Robbie. Great tune from Luke Combs there. And if you don't know who Luke Combs is, he was uh, sitting in the stands for the All Blacks game and in the sheds afterwards. He's a massive country music artist. I think he's like the number one in the world at the moment. So apparently it's a big deal if you're a big fan of country music. Um, Concerts in Auckland this week, I think, and maybe he's travelling around the country as well. I'm not sure if our next guest is a country music fan. I might have to ask him. Shane Howard, former uh, All Blacks and Wales uh, fullback, joins us on the line now. Uh, Shane, are you you a country music fan at all? My my youngest, Devlin. Um, got me into it. He works with a lot of softballers who go to America quite often. Oh. And he brought back some of country music and um, shut forgotten the name of the guy who sung the American National Anthem. If you ever want to hear an amazing anthem, I'll, I'll remember his name at some stage, but Mate. he was un- unbelievable. So yeah, quite funnily enough, I've been Sort of listening to it a little bit. Oh, not certainly not the answer I was expecting, uh, Shane. But uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. After spending time in America, mate, I yeah, I similarly was uh, introduced to it. I, it was one of those things where I feel like the more I was forced to listen to it, I just sort of inevitably ended mm. up liking it. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's been interesting that journey, uh, mate. Let's talk. Let's talk some All Blacks. And uh, I was sort of gonna just chat about the game on Saturday, but but more importantly, we've got a squad, a Rugby World Qu- uh, Cup squad announced tonight, and that has been really the talk uh, of the morning in the afternoon. Uh, firstly, um, Shane, I just want to ask, how much do you think um, Saturday will influence Ian Foster in the selections decisions at all? Um, that's a really, really good question because I I, I felt for, sorry for, for a couple of guys. Well, not so much Simon Penny Fennell because he was outstanding, but Sean Stevenson probably had that match to you know kind of prove and cement. And unfortunately, I thought... Not by his own fault. I just thought the Australians were just incredible for that first 35 minutes. Mm. And it kind of softened any any sort of um, chance that probably Sean had for us to see Sean Stevenson on attack. Because I, I think he's been the best uh, back three player in the entire Super Rugby this year. So I felt a little bit from, you know, that, that there wasn't that opportunity um, for him to put his hand forward. And I think... I think what the what the weekend showed us was solidified what what the top fifteen will be, um, and then it'll be interesting because I know, I know everyone sort of la- well, not laid into Damien McKenzie but sort of didn't rate him very much. But no no nine or ten would have been any good in that first as I said thirty thirty five minutes, and I think as Kiwis we sometimes we get a little lost in our own thing without praising how good the opposition were, mm. and I thought. Australia in that first 35 minutes were outstanding. I mean, their ruck work, their clear-outs, their carries, their physicality. I met Nwangan 
Tanawasi, I hope we get his name right, on, on the wing is, is frightening. And, you know, when you had Karevi and Pattaya inside him, um, you know, giving him space, I, I just thought they, they were very, very good. And I think we have to look at that as All Black fans. Of Not that the All Blacks were poor, it was that Aussie were very good. Mm. Um, and the turnaround in the second half, I thought, came when, when the likes of, of Sam Whitelock and, and Richie Mwanga came on. So I know that's a long-winded answer. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, oh, I felt sorry for the guys who, who were, were really needing to put their hand up because I don't think they got a chance. You, you know, I, I was saying the same thing at the top, Shane. I totally agree with that. And I feel like not only were they sort of put into um, this sort of one-off game to try and prove themselves, they're also doing it alongside a whole bunch of other guys who were also in the same position. It wasn't like, you know, Shooter was coming into the to the out-and-out first-choice All Blacks back line. Um, he was sort of alongside guys that were playing for their spot too, which, uh, I, like you, I feel a little bit sorry for them. Um, Will Jordan um, at fullback, which is what everyone wanted to see, did he, did he do enough for you to, to convince everyone that he should be uh, the fullback at the World Cup, or do you think he's better suited on the wing? Glimmers. Glimmers of what Will Jordan can do at fullback. However, I, I think if you're going to lock in a fullback, it'll be Bowden um, for that experience. I, I would be very surprised if we see Bowden back at 10. I may be proven wrong. And therefore, I think Damian McKenzie will, will go because in, I don't want to call them lesser games, but in games that we're expected to win, you don't, you don't want Richie playing every single pool game. Mm. So I think that's... Um, I mean, Will Jordan goes without a shadow of a doubt. Um, fantastic player. And I, I think fullback's his spot. But again, he was kind of in that in the area that Sean Stevenson was in that, um, you know, he didn't really get any... We didn't get really a lot of ball um, to be able to get ourselves into a test. And, you know, I know being fortunate enough and lucky enough to play test rugby, you, you, it's not an easy environment um, if you're on the back foot from the first minute. Um it can be pretty tough, and, and when you're trying to make a statement, um, as probably Sean and, and Will were in, the, in that position, I, they just, again, didn't get the opportunity, I don't think. But Will Jordan is locked in in the back three. Um, I would say at winger with, with Bowden at fullback if you're going with your top 15, um, and probably Talia on the other wing. Mm. So, I mean, it's a potent back three, because Panganuku was outstanding. Yeah. Um, on Saturday, you know, I really thought he was. So he certainly put his his case forward. Um, but I think if it was me picking the back three, it would be Talia, Jordan, and, and Barrett. I'll get you to, to, to go through some of the other outside backs in a second, Shane. Just uh, Craig's texture on double eight, double three. Always trust the SENZ listeners to come up with the uh, with the info we're after. Uh, Chris Stapleton was he the country singer you were thinking oh, about? That's it. That's the boy. Yeah. I do. I do. He's fantastic. Listen yeah. to it. Okay. Yeah. I think I actually saw that, and then I went and listened to a whole bunch of his songs, put them on my playlist afterwards. But he's got a fantastic voice, Chris Stapleton. Real uh, sort incredible. of yeah, true true country artist. All right. Back to some rugby. Um. So the back the the the, the backs. Um. And depending, I guess, on whether you're going for the the nineteen fourteen or the eighteen fifteen split at five o'clock this evening, you got Stevenson, Caleb Clark. Whanganuku and, and Narawa and four doesn't really go into one or two Shane so who, who do you think misses out? Um, yeah look I think I feel really sorry for. I'm not sure if Caleb will, will make it and, and that's not because he doesn't deserve to be there I just think the other boys you know like I said that my top three is Talia, Jordan um, Barrett and then you've got I, I, I would say from Saturday, Fonganuku maybe put his nose forward. 
But I mean, I'm glad I'm not doing it. I'm glad I'm not <laughs> picking it. Um, because Narawa was fantastic in his test appearance. Um, you know, Caleb Clark, probably not his most dominant season, but you know what he can bring. So, you know, anyone he takes. But, <laughs> look, I'm just going to sit on the fence and say I know who my three are. Good luck, Fozzie, with your other two. Mm. The uh, the halfbacks is the other um, sort of I won't say contentious, but it's the discussion point of uh, of the day. And uh, like, take your point about um, Finlay Christie sort of being thrown into the cauldron. But do you see any chance of of Ian Foster sort of flipping the script as we see it and, and putting in Brad Weber over Finlay Christie, or do you think it's Aaron Smith, Finlay Christie, and Cam Roygaard? I think that he has to take Roygaard just a point of difference. Um, and Aaron Smith showed. How good he was, and again, it's unfortunate for Finlay. He was behind a pack that was getting a bit smothered in the first 30, 35 minutes, um, and I think that might bring Brad Weber into contention. It's, it's um, because if you're going to play Damien, you know, Finlay and Damien didn't look um, good together on on Saturday. Again, mm. I say that was that was partly because the Aussies were very good, um, but Brad Weber brings a little bit more experience and and a little, a little bit more of of Similar to Aaron Smith, he, he's just a dogged um, player. So I, I think it's Roy Gard and Smith, and then if it was me, I'd go Weber. The loose forwards, this is another one that people have been texting in about. A lot of people have uh, Artie, Sam Kane, uh, Frizzell, Papali'i and uh, Summer Penny Finau, who was fantastic on Saturday. But then the question mm, probably mm. is there who covers eight? Shane, and, and you know, Dalton Papali is sort of an out-and-out out seven, so is that the right mm. makeup of the Lucies, you think? I like Luke Jacobson. Um, again, just, just coming back, Luke Jacobson was... Um, I, I do like him, and, and I think he he's, would be more comfortable at eight rather than a makeshift eight, because again, Artie Sevilla is just a phenomenal player, yeah, and you don't want to run him in every game in a, in a pool plays in, in the World Cup. So I think you have to take then another specialist eight, and mine would be Luke Jacobson. Yeah, and I guess there, there is going to be a big um, question mark over Brody Retallick and his fitness. So I imagine they'll name him anyway yeah. uh, th- this evening. But then, yeah, if he's not in, then maybe you do have space to throw in a, a, a Josh Lord or a Jacobson, whoever that might be. Um, Shane, just, just before we do let you go... Uh, what what is the last I guess couple of games last uh, month and a half of of All Blacks rugby in twenty twenty three I guess showing you ahead of the World Cup has it made you more confident? Are you, do you believe they can they can go on and win it all? We we are at after watching uh, these internationals. Yeah, look, I uh, I think Fozzie had to make changes for this test. What I loved about um, the first three tests was he didn't. Um, he, uh, uh, the major one was Mackenzie playing Argentina. Moanga back, but there wasn't wholesale changes. Mm. Um, so I think I think he's really solidified his first 15, to be honest. And I think we'll see that 15 against South Africa because he needs that 15 to be together and, and understanding each other because France are going to be a hell of a game in that first test. Mm. Yeah. So I think I think Fozzie has to go with his 15 that he's going to, or 23 that he's going to play in the opener against France. And then I think He'll know by and large what his 15 is and he can tinker, but I, I would rather he didn't wholesale change, even if it is against lesser opposition, because you can drop combinations by chopping and changing. So I think as much as he can, resting his really, really important boys, I think he needs to keep the core of that team playing as much as he can. Yeah, 
totally agree with you, Shane. Uh, uh, Chris Stapleton, can you can you ring up uh, the uh, who's on duty at uh, Fresh Choice Mangani and just get them to play a bit of Chris Stapleton over the loudspeakers? Just <laughs> encourage the shoppers. I'm trying to get them to do it. They won't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, no, you got the youngsters. You got to convince. They got to take a bit of convincing. Uh, mate, appreciate you coming on as always. Uh, very interested to see what happens at five o'clock this evening and uh, and heading towards the World Cup as well. We'll uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks heaps for coming on, mate. No problems at all, Sam. Thanks, mate. There you go. Shane Howarth there. Owns the uh, Fresh Choice out in uh, Mangere, so uh, stop by if you are going past. You might see him in there. He might give you a little bit of a chat as well, and uh, maybe you hear a bit of Chris Stapleton playing over the speakers. Uh, Craig is just uh, riddling me with country music facts now. Luke Combs is better than Chris Stapleton. I do agree with that, Craig, but I'm more of a pop country kind of guy, and I'm happy to put my hand up and say I'm guilty of that because I know it, it irks a lot of the true country fans. So, uh, yep, Florida Georgia Line, that's a, that's a big one for me, but... I probably would prefer Luke Combs over Chris Stapleton. But still, Chris Stapleton, amazing voice. A couple of good tunes. Uh, Millionaire, I think that's one of his ones that I really enjoy. Might get Robbie to play that one out. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, oh, great to get thoughts of Shane Howell there, by the way. We'll take a break. When we come back, I've got all your text messages to go through. I promised you I'd get through them, and now is that time. So we'll take a break. Come back with your text after this. Chris Stapleton. Good voice, man. Country artists, they got they got good voices. They got the best voices in the biz. Uh, Boys around here by Blake Sheldon. That's a banger. That comes in from someone on double eight double three, the Temper Bedpost Text Machine. Uh, after one thirty, going to catch up with Captain K Keza, bring him back into the afternoon show for the first time in a long time. He is netball obsessed, as you all know. Co-hosts uh, Center Pass as well, and that's uh, on during the ANZ Netball Premiership. Uh, talk about the Silver Ferns with Captain K because uh, I'm not a massive netball aficionado. I do watch the Silver Ferns. Um, just trying to work out how disappointed we should be from them finishing fourth. I feel like if it was another major sporting team, we'd be blowing the lid. But seemingly everyone's okay with it. So we'll talk with Captain K. After two o'clock, we'll talk some rugby league with Louis Brown as well. But your text on double eight double three about this all-back squad. Firstly, uh, from Surly. Um, think Braden Enor might be out for a while injured. If that's the case, Leicester might get the nod in his spot, leaving another outside back spot available. Havili straight swap for McLeod. So that's the advantage of Leicester is that he can cover uh, the midfield as well. So he'll be there for sure. It's whether or not, like you said, uh, Searle, that opens up another spot if they name him as a midfielder. Um, a text here says, if Aaron Smith got injured, who would be first drop? I'd say Weber, as he's the most similar style-wise and experienced. Finlay and Cam are great, are both great, but I feel Weber is the easiest replacement for our game style. And that was the point we were making a bit early on. Um, JJ as well. You know, if, if Aaron Smith goes down, do you want Finlay Christie as your starting halfback Moving forward into the tour, moving you know onwards into the tournament, I'd I'd much rather have Brad Weber. Um, I backed Auckland to win in the MPC, then went along yesterday to watch them play against Bay of Plenty. I might as well rip the ticket up, even though they won. They looked awful. That was from Chris. Yeah, um, we might talk a bit of Bunnings MPC uh, tomorrow on the show actually, because that got underway over the weekend. Uh, Cam from Cambridge says, I think we've been a bit harsh on McKenzie. Last game he played, a lot of people were saying he was the number one. Mawonga has had the, the off day before as well. That was close to one of the only bad games he has played all year, including Super Rugby. Everyone's been a bit harsh. I do agree Mawonga is our number one, but McKenzie had an off day and was one of the best when we played Argentina. He has to come off the bench and be in our 23. That's from Cam in Cambridge. And JJ actually says the same thing. I think people are being a bit harsh on McKenzie and the new boys over the weekend. Our forwards were going backwards for the first 40 and the Wallabies had quick front foot ball. I was impressed how well, how we quelled that early rush from the Aussies and slowly ground back the momentum. Yeah, I, I see that view as well. I think 
one game where they're trying to prove themselves uh, in a team with a bunch of different changes. And yeah, it would have been good to see Damien alongside Aaron Smith to just see how well he would have gelled with Aaron. Um, instead, he was with Finlay, who, you know, you'd look at them and say they both didn't have their best games, but... Yeah, the Aussies, as Shane Howell said, got to give them credit as well. Uh, Gary says, uh, also wanted to talk Warriors with you, Sammy. I agree with you. They're going to have no chance this year up against Penrith. If Cleary stays fit, we win again this season. You must be a uh, you must be a Panthers fan, Gary. Um, <clears throat> Darren says, don't forget Shane Howell also played for the Bronx, uh, Cowboys. Yeah, he did. Played for North Queensland. Played a little bit of rugby league before he went off to uh, into, to Wales. Paul says, hey, Sam, Akira wasn't named in the original Auckland team for the weekend, so don't get the logic he was pulled to avoid injury. Finlay Christie hasn't been given much of an opportunity. He proved during Super Rugby that he is the second best in the country, more as a backup starting halfback, not as an impact player like Cam Roygaard. That is spot on, Paul. I think... Um, yeah, Christie is is the backup to Aaron Smith, but he's not the guy that comes on after 60 minutes. And I know there is a bit of chat around uh, Akira making that All Blacks team tonight. That'd be very interesting. That would be a real um, spanner in the works. Although Ken, who's texting here, and Ken's always got his finger on the pulse around Auckland rugby. De Groot, Taylor Lomax, Barrett, Retallick, Frizzell, Kane, Savia, Offa, Tuangafasi, uh, Finau, oh sorry, uh, Takiaho, Nepo, Laulala, Whitelock, Finau, Papali'i, Tupavai, Moody, Newell, Akira. So he's got a kid in there. And Coles, that's 19 forwards. And then Smith, Moanga, Talia, Rico, Jordy Barrett. you got two Ricos in there. Jordan, Will Jordan, Bowden, Christie, McKenzie, Clark, Leonard Brown, Roy Gard, Havili, Narawa, 14 backs. Depends on the retallic injury at lock. That's from Ken. Everyone was saying last week, this was the Form 15. We were going to smash the Aussies by 40. And this uh, also, this was the best back three in the world. I don't think I saw anything that will change the coach's mind on the back three. Bodie, Talia and Jordan, Alista and Stevenson are good, but they don't chase kicks like Jordan and Talia. That's from Chris. Uh, Grant and Melbourne, uh, I did. I already went through that one. Um, and the rest are based around the rugby league, which I might get to a little bit later on. Uh, I know Robbie, who... Always feels like he's under a lot of pressure when he has to do this, and now he's got me sitting here judging him, which he might have had a couple of times before. Is gonna uh, is dying to uh, tell us uh, what's making news around the world. Robbie, are you keen to give that a crack? Yeah, Were yeah. You just eating something. Did I catch you at the wrong time? You mate? did. So you should did. We, we can put, we can do it later. We can do it later if no, you want. We, no, we can do it now. If you but do you want to do it now? Because yeah, I mean, yeah, what not? were you eating, by the way? Uh, chocolate bar. Actually, it wasn't. Oh. That wasn't uh, very nutritious of me. Where did you get that from? Um. Got it from Countdown yesterday. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know if they were handing out chocolate bars oh, out no, in the office, no, but that's no. all right. Um, should we find out what's making news? Let's do it. Ladies, Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, story. and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Right, as you said, press on. Yep, pressure's on, Robbie. Pressure Don't say on. a story we've already done, man. Don't bring up <sighs> old demons. Okay. I know, I know. That's, a, that's always the worry. Um, now, I had my themes when I was when I was on with Steph. Yes. Uh, when you were, that was when you were on Bricky. Yep. For a uh, couple of weeks. Yep. And yeah, had my themes. World Records was one of them. Great. Bringing it back. Oh, yeah. Um, and I found one. This guy, um, I, I like to challenge Steph to, you know, Take on the world records himself, which sure. we never actually got round to. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how you'd fare with uh, with these ones. Um, a martial artist from India recaptured a Guinness World Record from his longtime rival by smashing 273 walnuts with his forehead in one minute. Wow! Now, I've seen the video um, of these guys doing this. Well, I mean, 
this is use of the radio medium. Ah, oh, sure, go this ahead. Is, this is him doing it. Yep. Go that on, is go very fast. Basically at that speed for a minute. And, that um, is very fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen you, the videos. As you can imagine, you know, they're just like, yeah, going with the head. And so he's got a right, he's got rival, does he? Yeah, well, he, um, uh, yeah, who... Where's his, where's his rival's name? Naveen Kumar. Um, ah, so Naveen. he was so he he was the man who just did that. Yeah. Uh, his record was uh, Muhammad Rashid. The um, he broke the record of 254 set by Muhammad Rashid. Is this in a minute? In 2017, in a minute. Wow, 250 in a minute. Yeah, man, that's impressive. I was sort of taking the Mickey out of it to start, but now that I realise, actually, that's because some of the world records are stupid, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's for the sure. first person to juggle a ball on their head when they're you know surfing and yeah. the you know, Kalahari Desert or something. I don't know. And uh, that's a good record. Yeah. <laughs> well, try to, try well, to do you know, there's one. a guy. There's actually a funny guy on Instagram who does this um, really funny page where um, he every day he does something that never has never been done in human history ever before. Right. So I'll do one right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be the first person. Okay. Robbie, yep. To put a bottle of shampoo in between my neck and my and my chin, hold a box of tissues. Cross my fingers with my left hand and pick up my cell phone. I'm the first person to ever do that in the history of the world. Sure? Oh, I'm pretty sure. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, that was a, that was a slight tangent. Yeah, and yeah, probably well, terrible radio. And uh, yeah, well, for anyone who can't see Sam, which uh, is hopefully everyone, um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah, uh, he did do all those things. Can confirm. Um, now, a second, sort yeah, sort of record. I guess, it, yeah, it is a record. Taking you back to before I was born now, Sam, actually. Mm. Something pretty crazy actually popped up on my Facebook a few so weeks ago. So this is pre-2000. 99. Ooh, that was close. Very close. Um, American Richard Rodriguez smashed his own world record for the longest time spent on a roller coaster. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, like, it's going... It's obviously moving. It's it not is. just stationary. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, and it, it wasn't a one-off. Instead, it was a culmination of a series of records that he had set there. Okay. Um, so he claimed his first record in 1979 with 140 hours. Yeah. Uh, returned in 94. He racked up 549 hours on the Big Dipper roller coaster. Um, and, uh, yeah, then he went back in 98 when, uh, again, his rival... Um, Norman St. Pierre challenged with 670 Norm. hours Norm. on a coaster in Montreal. So, uh, Norman. yeah, he went back in '98 uh, and racked up an astonishing 47 consecutive days on the Big Dipper to record a new total of 100, uh, 1,013 hours. Um, this was him on the ride in '98. Oh, that, that was the underpass, the tunnel underneath. That wakes me up almost every night. It's so loud. It uh, just gives you a real jolt. Does he just sleep? Oh, of course he sleeps because it's so many hours. He just sleeps on the. That, I couldn't think of anything worse than being on a roller coaster God. for that long. I'm actually um, I'm in LA in November slash December. Mm. Uh, if anyone's got any recommendations, I was thinking about going to Disney World, um, or just anything, any yep. of those sort of adventure parks. Sing out on double A double three. And nice. I also am not very good with heights, so no roller coaster related. Right. Theme parks, please. Okay. Get those in. Um, and so, yeah, he uh, he went back in 2000. He almost doubled that uh, in 2000. 2,000 hours. What? 83 days. No, um, no, no, no. <laughs> so, and then 2012, he moved on. He went to a different roller coaster to the big one, and he stretched the uh, record out to 112 days while also uh, raising money for the charity Give Kids the World, which helps children with life-threatening illnesses. Uh, okay. In total, he spent three and a half months on the ride between May and September 19th. 
Wow. Okay. Look, credit to him for doing it for charity. And I'm a big fan of that. But, yeah. So um, there, are, uh, there were there were rules. Uh, okay. He was allowed to take five minutes for each hour, as, as like a break. Yeah. Um, a and so he saved he saved them up for a one hour break each like morning and evening to um, have a bigger meal and lie down, have a shower. Um, that sort of stuff, and uh, he'd also while away the time on the ride by reading newspapers and writing pun-filled postcards, telling friends the summer break is having its ups and downs. Very clever, yeah, a classic. Um, and we are running out of time, so I'll just le- I'll leave you I'll leave you with a fact. Yeah, I had, give me a fact. had another story, but Sorry, uh, mate. I, I that, that is, that is perfectly fine. Um, what fact should we do? Let's do Australia. More than 12,000 beaches yes. along its 50,000-kilometre shoreline. Yes. It would take you more than 32 years to visit them all if you visited one a day. 32 years. Well, that ain't going to happen. Although, there's a record if you want to break it. See how quickly you can visit all the beaches in Australia. I'm sure some of them are just connected to each other. Yeah, so you probably. can just quickly see a couple every day. There you go, Robbie. What's making news? Very good addition. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Good records. Love the theme. Love the theme. We'll take a break for news, sport and weather. When we come back... Uh, where I might go through a couple of your texts first, but then we're going to talk some netball with Captain K. I got a friend. I got a friend. Oh, job. Damn it. I don't even know the lyrics. Yet. I can't call myself a Luke Combs fan, can I? Why is Sam got shampoo in the studio, says Craig? It's thanks to the good folks of the Chemist Warehouse who uh, have a nice little display here in the studio, including a little bit of fructus papaya hair food. They don't even call it shampoo. They call it hair food. Feed, feed the hair. Feed the bear, feed the hair. Um, lots of texts that have come in on double eight, double three, but I can see Captain K just out sitting in the studio and I know how passionate he is about the Silver Ferns and netball. I want to ask the question, um, and it's a good text that's coming from Paul. On the netball front, I think everyone is scared to dare question Dame Nolene. Saw what happened to the Juno who asked if they cracked under pressure. No Jenny May Coffin making players cry this time round, but questions need to be asked. That's from Paul. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'll run out. I'll grab Captain K. He's got his headphones on. So we'll take a short break. I'll run out. I'll grab Captain K. And when he comes back in, we will dissect uh, the Silver Ferns World Cup campaign, which saw them finished in fourth worst finish in World Cup history. We'll do that after this. 19 minutes away from two. All right, Captain K brought him into the studio now. Very, very passionate netball man. Hosts Centre Pass or co-hosts uh, Centre Pass uh, when that's underway during the ANZ Netball Premiership season. Captain K, I know you followed this World Cup very, very closely. And, mate, I've, I've got to ask how, uh, I guess, your initial reaction, how disappointed uh, were you that the Ferns uh, finished fourth, the worst ever finish at a, at a World Cup? Oh, Sammy, first of all, thanks for uh, welcoming me back on to Afternoons. It's uh, obviously not the way that I'd want to um, Just send through the invoice come to back. Ruben at the end <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, yeah, will do, mate. Of course, time and a half, surely, for mm-hmm. a, a day like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a tragedy, I'd call it, Sam. So uh, definitely taking time and a half. Look, it is it's um, it is a really disappointing day for New Zealand netball, but I don't think it's just today. I think it's been the lead-up uh, since we actually played Singapore in the group, uh, that unfortunate uh, game where we did win uh, by about 60, but mm. we did lose Grace Wickey, which proved to be very costly um, for the Silver Ferns going into the uh, into the knockout stages. Then we obviously saw them start to hit a little bit of a dip in form, a, a draw against South Africa, something that no one uh, would have expected. It was fantastic, though, uh, in front of that African crowd. It was an, an amazing spectacle, but they knew, uh, the Ferns, that they had to go up against Jamaica that night, and we all know uh, Jamaica, the, the netballing powerhouse that they've become mm. over the last few years, um, um, all helped by Rob Wright, uh, the Mystics assistant coach. So we sort of knew uh, that, that they weren't going to be taking it lightly. We saw them go to the Com Games final against Australia. I was expecting them to get to the World Cup final uh, this year, but the way that it worked out, 
England and New Zealand played each other in the semis, and we had a Com Games final rematch. That semi was was pudding to me. You know, I, I believed once I saw England uh, in the draw for us to play in the semi final, I thought we're guaranteed a silver medal here, mm-hmm. uh, pushing for that gold. So uh, all that glitters isn't gold, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we did go up against England in the semis, and and that was sort of where my frustration started with that team. I expected the loss against Jamaica uh, before we headed into the knockout stages, but for me. It was it was that England semi final that uh, unfortunately we did lose it and and end up in this situation here where we're talking about the Silver Ferns finishing fourth at a World Cup, which uh, even saying it now just just doesn't seem like I should be. So a couple of um, couple of things to get stuck into. Firstly, it was Grace that big of a loss? Like if she 100. had remained fit, we we may have challenged for a final, maybe even challenge Australia. We're in a very weird spot here in New Zealand where where I mentioned it during the ANZ Premiership, we're headed into the goal shoot era. Uh, Now, we're we're used to seeing the superstars uh, in the shooting circle. We obviously had Maria uh, here in New Zealand, a goal attack who dominated the game for a very long time. Now we sort of with the evolution of Grace Wiki over the last three to four years, she is only 21, I must say, before we get into it. But uh, having Grace Wiki as the centre of the Silver Ferns team was definitely uh, a question mark that I had for, for Dame Knowles going into the tournament. And we did speak to her about what sort of style that she was going to play, you know, where we're going to play the, um, the the fast ball, where we're trying to get uh, the best shot from, from either Amelia Ann or Grace, or would it be a sort of Northern Mystics style where we have Amelia Ann at goal attack playing as all almost a second just wing get the attack. Ball, just get the ball to Grace. Yep, get the ball, look up. If Grace has got her hand up, you pass the ball there, she'll get it. Yep. You know that, that was sort of where we were going. And, and I, I sort of looked at Grace's injury as, okay, we can either go one or two ways here. It eliminates the, the idea of playing strictly through Grace and allowing us to play that vintage Silver Ferns fastball style. But unfortunately, we just couldn't make it work. And, and I don't know if that's a connection situation or, or who we've got out there on the court, but it, uh, questions were raised, and for me as well, When, uh, but, but this is also the luxury of our defensive end, Sammy. The selections that Dame Knowles put out on court, and we, we heard rumours that Kelly Jury, the, the MVP of the ANZ Premiership at goal keep, was going to be playing wing defence. And that made absolutely no sense to me, moving Kelly out of the circle into the midcourt, where mm. Kelly is a fantastic defender. She's a fantastic goalkeeper, arguably, in this tournament. When she was at goalkeeper, she showed that she was up there as, as the top two or three in the world. But it, it sort of never felt like we had the right connections out there on court, um, and it just sort of took Knowles and the Ferns a little bit longer to adjust with the, the play style going through Grace getting out of the way, and, and that allowed Maya Wilson to come into the team uh, and Tiana Maturo to come off the reserves. We saw a lot of Tiana Maturo, a fantastic shooter-to-shooter passer, but still just didn't have that sort of Maria confidence just to turn and shoot from anywhere like, mm. like the English did, and that's where the English won it for me. Two more, two more quick questions. The first one is, given the circumstance, so given Grace's injury, given that Jamaica's gotten better and it seems like even England's a little bit more competitive and obviously Australia number one, given all the circumstance, should Kiwis be upset at fourth place? Should should we be demanding, you know, more and, and should we be upset by the result? I think we should be disappointed. I think we should be showing the same amount of uh, of pride that we do in the Silver Ferns, uh, you know, as we do in the All Blacks, sorry, into the Silver Ferns. I think there are a lot of positives that, that we can take away from this tournament. Kate Heffernan 
won uh, mid-quarter of the tournament for the second time. She won it in the quad series last year. She's 21 or, or, or 22, I believe. A lot of these players have so many more World Cups left in them. And I, and I think, uh, do you remember what happened in the 2018 Com Games where, where we crashed out, we didn't medal uh, for the first time, and, and that, that was the same sort of level of destruction. We brought in Dame Noli and Tauroa. She turned it around in 2019. We won the World Cup. I, I think this group that Dame Knowles is... is uh, collected for this World Cup isn't going to be around for much longer. I can genuinely see Amelia Ann stepping down as captain of Silver Ferns. I don't know if she'll return. I can potentially see uh, Jane Watson playing her last game in the black dress and, and Gina Crampton. That's the big one for me. Gina Crampton, we, we knew that she's going to be on sabbatical after this World Cup. But I think it's going to be a little bit more than that. And I, I do believe she will return to the ANZ Premiership in some capacity, but I, I think she's done in the black dress. So that allows us to to welcome in these these new young players. And, and we did question, it was 380 caps that we lost since the 2019 World Cup. We mm. have to remember that. that. That is a hell of a lot of caps. We lost uh, our captain. You know, We lost all of our experience in the midcourt, and the midcourt was an issue for me at this World Cup. But we've got to look at it from, from an experience point wow. of view because we got dealt a very bad uh, uh, hand of cards, is what I'd say. We got a few calls that didn't go our way. We, we had a few uh, intercepts that we shouldn't have thrown, and uh, we, we could have been sitting here this morning, Sammy, if, if one or two referees decisions or one or two passes didn't go astray, we would be sitting here uh, uh, supporting the Silver mm. Ferns with a gold medal around <coughs> our neck. So uh, in, in summary to that question, yes, be disappointed, but don't don't turn it into something that it doesn't have to be. Well, because we could have been there. We could mm. have been there with the gold medal. It was just one or two small things, Grace being out, you know, a, a held ball that didn't go our way, a, a pass going astray, we could have been sitting here with a silver or gold around our neck. Um, so the other big question, obviously, is what happens to Dame Nolene? Like, will she... Obviously, she's going to take some time off now to reassess where she's at. Does Do you think she retires, she steps away? And if she does... Who's who's next in line, do you yep. think? So uh, we've got the Constellation Cup and the Tiny Jamison series coming up later on this year. So Dame Knowles will be uh, with the Silver Ferns for both of those. Uh, so but, uh, for me, I, I guess it's just it's, it doesn't matter how she does in this Constellation Cup or this, or this quad series for me. If she has another four years in her, she will stay on. I'll tell you this, Dame Nolan Totoa will never be fired as the Silver Ferns coach. She does not deserve to be fired. So before we get that into our heads that we need to rid of Dame Knowles, remember all she's done for us. Remember how she's turned around. Uh, we, we were going through the golden generation of the Silver Ferns, you know. We've we've lost that now. They've retired uh, uh, through injury or through age, but we've got this golden generation through now. And Dame Nolan Totoa has got them to a spot where they can go to a World Cup, where the likes of Kate Heffernan, 21 can can win mid quarter of the tournament in the World Cup where Grace Wickey can feel like she's the greatest player in the world you know at, at only age 21 I think if she has another four years in her she'll do it but four years is a long time and that is a very big cycle and that does include a com games as well in there so uh, me personally if I was to go out on a limit and, and if you guys remember me from show me the money don't follow me in here uh, <laughs> but I do think that that Dame Knowles will look elsewhere uh, I think she might step out of the game of netball and, and maybe go venture somewhere else, you know. But in terms of contenders, I think it would be, as of right now, Deb Fuller. 
uh, to take over as as the Silver Ferns coach. Uh, maybe just in, as in a stand-in role, but Deb's proved herself as the Silver Ferns assistant for many years now. I would love to see Sammy, um, and, and Bugger Staff's not here because he'd agree with me, Yvette McCausland Jury, uh, the, the Pulse legend. Uh, but she's gone off and she's uh, starting a kura with her husband. So they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be uh, starting up a new school. But there's plenty of coaches around the country. Uh, Mary Angelani Hoshek is another one. I know that, <coughs> especially on afternoons, we've had a few texts questioning uh, what Mitz has been able to do. But still a, a, a very highly rated coach, coach of New Zealand A for, for the longest time. Kitty Wills from the Stars is another one um, mm-hmm. that sort of caught my eye. She's uh, who, who I'd compare to. Uh, uh, the most similar to, to Dame Knowles in terms of personality right now in the ANZ Premiership. But uh, I, I wouldn't be worried at all, Sam, for the future of New Zealand netball if, if that's what's going on. I mean, putting it back into, into retrospect for the for the uh, all-black side of things, you know, when, when we went out in, in 2019 in that semi-final, you know, that, that was the end of everything. You know, we were losing quite a few players in there. We weren't quite sure where the all-blacks were going to go, but mm. uh, but look, they've they bounced back now, you know what I mean? But it's in terms of the silver ferns, we have the depth, we have the youth, you know, we have the, the exuberance out there to, to come out and, and play a, a fantastic style of netball. And Grace Wickey, once again, is 21 years of age. Mm. She has three to four World Cups left in her. So let's not jump the gun and and completely write this off. The Ferns went into this with the complete wrong uh, deal of hands. You know, losing all the caps, losing Grace Wickey, you know, and, and just getting suffocated to these teams that ha- have risen above us over the last few years. And that's true. Uh, the powerhouse of Jamaica, um, England's shooting circle, and of course the Diamonds. You know, they're always going to be there as the top four teams, and and it's just who's going to be sitting top, who's going to be sitting bottom. But those top four teams can compete with each other on any given day. You know, so just keep your eyes peeled for the Constellation Cup and the Tiny Jamison series because there's going to be a big bounce back. Nice, <coughs> Captain K. Uh, staying positive, which I love to hear. Um, you might want to offer up your thoughts on that. You can text her on double eight double three, or you can give us a call oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven if you uh, looking at you, Graham. <coughs> agree or disagree with uh, with Captain K on on the World Cup campaign? We'd love to hear from you. We'll take a short break. Come back with your calls and texts after this. Two minutes away from two o'clock. After two o'clock, we were going to catch up with Louis Brown, but he just uh, rung us to let us know he's dealing with a bit of a family emergency. So uh, we will talk some league. I've got plenty of text here to get through, and uh, we'll just chew the fat on the Warriors and the rest of the NRL over the weekend. But a couple of texts that have come in here on double eight double three, the Timber Bed Post text machine after Captain K's passionate, um, I guess, rant, amusings on the Silver Ferns campaign at the World Cup. Uh, Leanne and Palmerston North says the netball result was very bad. Players playing out of position didn't help. Losing grace didn't help, but they had no plan B. That was the disappointing part. And that's what I was trying to get to uh, Leanne. I understand when teams in any sport uh, lose a star player um, or you know the injury sort of hampers them in some regard, but it just baffles me that we had such a reliance on one player and when that player got injured, it was almost like we had no plan B. As much as you know, Dame Nolan and others have sort of said we did. Well, maybe we didn't. Um, and and Captain K sort of saying, you know, she's untouchable. She she'll get re-signed. Um, she'll never get the sack from Netball New Zealand. I don't find that a little bit concerning as well because I feel like sometimes, as good as coaches are, sometimes you do need to change. I mean, look at Ricky Stewart at the Raiders. He's been there for so long without anything, and they stick with him. Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. At times, you just need a bit of a refresh to to keep things, you know, 
moving forward. Arsenal had that with Mikel Arteta and they nearly won the Premier League last year. Um, Dean from New Plymouth says, Kez, you're in fantasy land. Ferns lost three games and drew against South Africa. They didn't have it. Coach drove them into the ground. And another one says, stop making excuses for the Ferns. A bad call there. Held ball there. Come on, they were not good enough. So you're all equally as passionate. We'll take a... um, Short break for new sport and weather at the top of the hour. When we come back, we'll go through your text. We'll talk some rugby league. Talk a little bit about the FIFA Women's World Cup as well. Jimmy Smith, don't forget, 2.45. We've got a very, very special surprise for Jimmy Smith that you'll want to listen to. You got a fast car. I got a ticket to anywhere. Sam Hewitt or Luke Combs? I'll let you decide. <laughs> that is Luke Combs, by the way. Um, showed up at the All Blacks game in uh, Dunners and was in the sheds as well. I think he's in New Zealand for his tour, which I tried to get tickets to, but uh, just, yeah, they were all sold out. I think they sold out in like, you know, 10 minutes or whatever when they went on sale, and uh, they are wicked expensive as the, on the resale. Um, I went to Morgan Wallen, though, you remember, a couple of months ago. Him and him and Luke Combs are sort of the two big country artists at the moment in America. Fast Car, obviously the rendition of Tracy Chapman, and that's like number one everywhere around the world. It's really caught on country. So when I was in America in 2011, um, my roommate, who was a baseballer, ended up getting drafted by the Yankees, funny story. And he, um, have I told you that before? <clears throat> Do you want me to tell you that story? Yeah, why, why not? That's a His name's Curtis Pomeroy. He's one of my best mates. I'm going over to see him when I go over in November. Um, he was a primarily a shortstop with the hardest throw I've ever seen in my life. So he broke the first baseman's glove three times throughout the regular season. Now, in baseball, you, you generally you have your glove. It's like a cricket bat. You wear it in. You know, you use it. You practice with it. You sort of sit at home and you sort of go you know, open it and close it to get it all malleable and everything. And then the games come around. It's all worn in. So this guy was like ropeable that Kurt kept breaking his glove because he had to keep getting a new one and wearing it. Um, but his throw was that hard. I would watch them train down on the baseball field. And they'd be the length of the field apart, which is maybe, what, 80 metres or so, 80, 100 metres from the outfield to the infield. And they'd just be sort of tossing it to each other. And Kurt would throw throw his ball in a dead straight line 100 metres. Like no no arc, no rise, no fall, just a dead straight line. Um, insane, insane. Anyway, he, um, he became a pitcher at the school that we were at because they realised he threw so hard and he couldn't throw anything but a fastball. But it didn't matter because he threw it so fast that no one could pick it up, no one could hit it. Um, so he became a bit of a quasi-pitcher, uh, went to Georgetown, which is a Division One uh, school, and then, um, as all pitchers did, sort of got a bit of case of the old Tommy John, um, wasn't able to pitch, did a lot of um, rehab and all that sort of stuff, and his baseball career fell away after high school. He got drafted by the Atlanta Braves, and then sort of gave it up, um, didn't sort of get signed and gave it up after college. Then, it was about a year later, a year and a half later, he was playing in his local league in a, a um, he was getting coached by our uh, the baseball coach of our old school who was involved in some of the minor league teams around the Boston area and said to him, mate, have you um, have you thought about keeping baseball going? He said, oh, mate, I've you know, gone through injuries and stuff. I'm not really that keen. He said, well, I know um, a Yankee scout who's in the area and I can get him to come and watch you throw. And he was like, what's the harm in it? Sure, get him along. So Kurt hadn't pitched in like two years or something. He goes down to this um, training facility and he throws a couple of pitches. And straight away, this old scout, you know what they're like, they're sort of 70 year, years old, they doddle over to him and he goes, um, do you know, uh, you have any idea how fast you were throwing? Kurt's like, oh, mate, haven't thrown in three years. It's like a police officer in the 70s. Or yeah, something. do you know how fast you were going? He's like, mate, 85, maybe 90 miles an hour. Now, in baseball, the golden number is 100 miles an hour, right? Yeah, like yeah. You throw that and you're, you're a starter, yeah. basically. So he said, um, 
he said, you were throwing 98 miles an hour. And Kurt hasn't thrown and th- like hasn't pitched in three years. And he was like, oh my gosh. And he said, I'm going to call up. He called up the Yankees organization and signed him right there on the spot. And he said, I, you know, and this is the sort of part of the story. You don't know if it's true, but I trust Kurt. He said, um, the scout said, I've never done this before. I've just picked up the phone and said, we've got to sign him straight away. They usually go through a whole process of seeing other scouts and second opinions. So Kurt signs for the New York Yankees, um, goes into their minor league system. And if you know baseball well, you know that um, organizations have like 50 minor league teams, you know, all around the country. They play in all these different leagues. So he went down to Florida. And he just said it was brutal. And this is the this is what the minor leagues are like. So he said he would get paid. By the end of a month, he'd be lucky if he got paid about 500 bucks because they pay you, but then they take out your accommodation, your yeah. food, your travel and everything. He said he'd be lucky if he got 500 bucks a month in, the, in, in hand. I mean, yes, he was living and he got all his food and everything, but only having 500 bucks is not a lot. Yeah. And he was ranked something like... Oof, 70th on the pitching depth charts for the Yankees. And I said to him, I said, if you threw a perfect game, how many places would you move up? And you know how rare a perfect game is, like only 20 or something have ever been thrown in the MLB. And he said, if I threw a perfect game, I might go from 70th to 50th or 55th. Wow. You know, 15 places or 20th. And I assume it wouldn't be then like 50th to 30th with just one other perfect game. Once you get to the top 30, it's very, very slow. So... um, some of those minor league teams, by the way, the the names, I love it. Yeah. Like one of the one of the Florida ones is the uh, Pensacola Blue Wahoos. <laughs> he might have been playing for them Maybe. down in Florida. And he also said that a lot of the guys on the minor league teams were well, actually probably in majors because it's dominated by South Americans now. And he couldn't, he didn't know, you know, Portuguese or Spanish or anything. So he couldn't speak to basically any of his teammates on wow. the team. He just lived on his own and he just said it was miserable. He did that for about a year. And then he wow. was like, nah, yeah, no, I'm there out is of. like a yeah, heap of um, uh, representation in like, you know, Cuba, Dominican yep. Republic. Yep. Dominican like, Republic. Yeah. I think Dominican Republic might have the most representation in the MLB. Probably. I think the Dominican Republic has a bit of a. Thing. Anyway, why, why did I talk about that? Because Curtis was my roommate at school and he used to blast country music all the time. And I hated it. Like, I, he would put it on and I would sort of like, if he didn't turn it off, I'd grab his belongings and I'd like throw them out the window or I'd like, you Is this know, back in your uh, acapella group days? I was part of an acapella group at the time, Robbie. Yes, correct. Um, I'd pick up like his laptop and I'd like throw it outside and lock the door type thing. Just all that sort of stuff because I hated country. And then with about a week to go in my time in America, he puts the song on. I was like, this is actually a bit of a tune. Sun's shining out, uh, you know, outside. We're going to go down and get some breakfast, spring air, grass is green. And I thought, that's actually a tune. And then he put another one on. That's also a tune. These are all tunes. I'm a country fan. And I was sold like a week before I went home to New Zealand. Wow. So it took it like a year, but we got there. And that's how I fell in love with country music. Not that anyone and what were, were all those songs by one artist? No, no. Nah, like, nah, good mix. Just, good okay, mix. And right. I've moved on from a lot of those artists too, like the Jake Owens, uh, Kenny Chesney's. That was early days. Now, now I moved on to the Florida Georgia lines, et cetera. But there's a, there's a very long story that no one probably has any interest in. I'll read out a couple of texts to get us back on track. Uh, it is clear that Captain K is clearly in the Nolene, in the Nolene We Trust team because of everything she has done. What about all the head-scratching team selections she made in this tournament that had the pundits on TV surprised, not least having Drury out of position? I think we all learnt what playing players out of position at a World Cup does years ago under John Mitchell. Different sport, I know. Ha-ha. Yeah, that, that was a big criticism from people that I talked to outside of Captain K. Um was was um, some of the selections early on that she was chopping and changing, and then when it came to the... Um, England game, she pick and stick basically, but she, there was all this chopping and chaining leading up to it. But uh, which isn't conducive, is it, to uh, in my mind, to tournament 
style competition. Uh, Graham from Marlborough, formerly from Northern. Good to hear from you, Graham. Um, hey, Sam, didn't hear your uh, talk with Captain K, but has been my sparring buddy in regards to the tactics, and they've just re-signed their coach for another season, and she yet she has failed miserably with a number of Silver Ferns in her squad. So I wouldn't take much notice of what Captain K thinks of the Ferns' predictions. He's delusional, but a bloody good laugh. Here's Graham from Northland. Formerly of, uh, sorry, from Marlborough, for, formerly of North, Northland. Thanks, Graham, for your text there. Um, let's get to a couple of the league texts because we were going to talk to Louis Brown uh, on the Warriors in the NRL over the weekend. Unfortunately, he's had to uh, he's had to pull out. So uh, we'll have a little bit of a chat about it if you want. You can ring 0800 150 811 if you want to talk about um, the Warriors win over the Titans and the rest of the NRL over the weekend. The claim that I made at the top of the show, um, I don't think 2023 is the year the Warriors win the, uh, the Premiership. And I know that's hard to hear. And I'm a massive fan and I'm an optimist and I'm loving the way the teams playing etc but I just look at Penrith and Broncos and watching them over the weekend the Broncos without Adam Reynolds the Penrith against the Storm both of them just a class above um, and I think if it got to a grand final I think we can make a grand final but I think if we get to a grand final against Penrith then um, I just think their experience in that moment over the last three years is, is going to be the difference maker if it's not Penrith if it's the Warriors and even the Broncos, but if it's the Warriors and one of those other teams like the Storm or the Rabbitohs or the Cowboys, like I would back us on our day. But if it is Penrith, I just think that might be too tall of a mountain to climb. Um, so you can give me a call, 0800 if you want to chew the fat on that one. Rory's texting saying, hey Sam, I didn't hear a response on Friday night. Uh, is Egan an 80-minute hooker or could you fit Metcalf in there to give way to break, especially when Tamani Martin comes back in the halves? Um Rory, so I'll break this up for you. Uh, yep, Wade Egan can play 80 minutes. He absolutely can. But I think the way Webster would prefer to use him is um, either 20 minutes at the start, uh, a hooker is on the field, and then Egan comes on for the next 60, or you give Egan a break towards the back end. Um, I sort of prefer that first one because it means that the other team's forwards just tire a little bit before Wade comes in, and I think just a little bit of extra fatigue might help him a little bit. Um, and the question of would Luke Metcalf go in there with Tamari Martin in the halves, I think that's a waste of Metcalf on the bench, whereas Tamari on the bench makes more sense to me, given that he can cover fullback half and he probably could play hooker as well. So Tamari sort of has a bit more utility value. I'd probably put him um, on the bench over um, Luke Metcalf. Uh, Dino says, Sam, prediction after the fourth place in the netball, I'm going third for the All Blacks of the World Cup. I'm going second, but close in the final for the Warriors and SVG for the win in NASCAR. That's my prediction. So Dino also thinking maybe the Warriors might fall short in the GF. Um, Brendan says, Sammy, mighty Broncos versus Panthers final. How good would that be? Best two teams by far. That's from Brendan. I think if it does end up that way, Brendan, I think you're right. I think they are the two best teams in the comp. Uh, Heath, my good man. Afternoon, Sam. I agree with you regarding the Panthers and Broncos being top two and the Warriors the best of the rest, but the difference is the Panthers could falter against a side like the Rabbitohs and the Semis. There's the opportunity for an upset and the Warriors to slide through and play another side. I think the Broncos are beatable. Heath, exactly what I was saying before. If it's not Penrith, if the if somehow Penrith get tipped up by somebody else, I would 100% think the Warriors have the ability to beat any, any of the other teams. The Broncos, very tough task. I, I said this to Kempi as well last week. I would have loved to just play one of those teams heading into these last five games, if it was Penrith, the Broncos, Storm, Souths, any of those sort of top six teams that we haven't beaten this season. Because right now, all we've got is a Warriors team that, yes, has been dominant over the last two months, but has been playing weaker opposition when you look at the top eight, and now has very weak opposition going into the finals. If we just had got a gauge of where they are at against the top team, 
I, th- I would feel so much more confident going into the finals. But, you know, first round, uh, we'll probably play the Broncos because they'll finish in third. We'll, uh, sorry, second, we'll finish in third. Um, that'll be over at Suncorp. Tough game to win. If we do win it, we come back home for the uh, prelim final two weeks later. If we lose, we go into an elimination final. I think we can beat any team in that elimination final. It'll be that semi-final. That'll be the big one. Or a prelim final. I know they use all different terms. The Aussies, they call the second week the semi-finals, which is stupid. Um... But yeah, love your text, Heath, and do agree with you. Um, hi, Sam. Watch a bit of the Warriors game in the weekend. Are you able? Are you allowed to pull here in the NRL? The officials seem to ignore it, and the commentators laughed at it. I don't know if it's an actual rule whether you can or can't do it, but I've seen it been penalised before, and I felt like it should have been penalised against Dallin because he did it twice, Cam Pereira. There were a couple of bizarre calls in that game. That the Titans try, which didn't get looked at by the bunker for the knock on. I just, I scratched my head uh, with Blake Ashford in the commentary box on Friday why they didn't even look at it. They just confirmed the try almost straight away. Why wouldn't you just go through and have a second look at it? Um, it did perplex me. And then um, the Maratini Accorde sent off for um, you know slapping David Fafita was just diabolical. I felt like the referee was making up for the Titans being down 12 men, honestly. It was just... Oh. It reminded me of that Sufakula one where he got sent off. Um, just finally, Tim says, what would be the t- permutations if we finish top four but lose the first game? Yeah, so Tim, the way the uh, NRL top eight works, so if you're in the top four, you play each other. So first place, fourth, second place, third. Then the bottom four sides of the top eight, so five, six, seven, eight, all play each other in the first week. If you win, if you're in the top four and you win your first round matchup, you have a week off in the second week and you go through to what is essentially the semifinals in the third week. If you lose that first week, you then play the winner of the five, six, seven, eight games. So there'll be two winners there. You play the winner of that game in the second week, and that's an elimination game. And then you would go into the semifinal if you win that the week after. It's annoying they call the second week the semifinals and the third week the prelim finals, when really the third week should be the semifinals. You've got four teams, um, and then the winner of that goes into the grand final. But this is Australia, and they love you know using the word premiers and premierships and finals and prelims and all sorts. Um, right. Zaid has called in, 0800-150-811. G'day, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon. Um, on the Newcastle Knights, I think they're pretty much in the top eight. They've got the Bulldogs this weekend. I think I think they've done it already. Um, you know, the last few weeks, um, Kalen Pong is showing um, why he is um, a State of Origin player and why, I don't know why um, him or the Knights wanted him to play in the half at the start of the season. It just didn't work. But as soon as he's gone back to fullback, the Titans, I, I, you know, they're a proper team like Bradman, Bess, Dominic Young. They, they're just looking so good, the um, the Knights. And like last week, they hammered the Raiders, put them to a side. Um, easy, you know, the Dolphins, it was a tight game, but they still showed their class. Um, and the Rabbitohs, they're not making the top eight. I, I don't think they've got the, that, that it's too late, you know what I mean? I know the Trail Mitchell's been injured, but I can't see it. You know, they're not, they're not quite, not quite playing like the Sharks. And that first half absolutely destroyed them, mm. you know? They, no, absolutely, Zay. no chance against the Sharks. And um, Parramatta, um, I can't see them make the top eight either. That they, they nearly lost to the Dragons there. They were down by 10 points at one stage. You know, they had to make a late, late comeback. Um, yeah, the Raiders will make the top eight, but they're, they're looking shaky. I, I, I don't know if they'll get past the first week either, really, you know? Mm. They're still looking... The Tigers... They had a tough game with the Tigers, and if <clears throat> if the Warriors are a proper team, which I don't think they are, we should go and hammer the Tigers in the Tron this weekend, you know? I know they've got um, Opie Corusau and Luke Brooks, but if the Warriors want to sort that point differential 
and pretty much guarantee a top four spot, we have to hammer the Tigers on Saturday night, you know? Yep. It's simple as that. You need to go and beat them the bottom of the table, you know? And the Dragons, we need to really um, get our points differential as high as we can in those Dragons and um, Tigers games when they're, you know, the bottom two teams and need to try and hammer them. But they obviously want to try and spoil the Warriors' party, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Zayda, we've got to run, mate, because we've got a, we're going to talk some women's world cup very shortly. But always love your call. Good analysis as well of all the uh, of all the top eight sides. Um, just a quick text in here that says, uh, "Great story about um, my mate Curtis um, Sammy." Hey, did I see a Wallaby player with a Patrick Mahomes haircut on Saturday afternoon? He even kind of looked like him. It was my best moment of the weekend. A Wallaby imitating a superstar. Did see that? It was quite funny. Um, just on uh, the NRL over the weekend, I actually had a mate over in the UK who had the Sharks by thirteen plus. Um, along with um, the Broncos 13 plus in another game. It was going to pay out 858 pounds, so you know about 1500 bucks New Zealand. And the Sharks were up 26 nil. He had a 650 pound cash out and we all told him not to take it because we thought the Sharks would beat them by 13 plus. Rabbitoh scored with about two minutes to go. It's a 10 point advantage and that was how it ended. And we just felt so bad for him. I also lost an eight league multi by one leg. Nick Cottridge to score for the Raiders against the Tigers. Didn't do it. It was the last leg. And it was going to pay out 800 bucks from 10 bucks. But that's rugby league we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to catch up with Casey and talk some women's football world cup and I'll get the tissues out as well for her beloved USA it's been a long day oh we always bust out the sad music uh, when talking about things like this. actually here you go Casey just a <laughs> box of tissues there I might actually need them Casey very <laughs> in the studio with us now you guys we've been hearing from Casey every day throughout the uh, FIFA women's world cup and it's been great to get her updates and uh, her analysis on all the games but we also know that she's a massive um, USA fan, of course, being a uh, an American at heart, and uh, had to watch last night, probably like all of us, but definitely with a lot more nerves and intensity. Um, and we sit here today, Casey America, not uh, in the FIFA Women's World Cup any longer. Say so it's a grim day. It is a grim day. I'm um, fair to say I'm heartbroken. That yeah. is really the only way I could describe it this morning. Just devastated. Yeah, I, look, I was almost. I came over to your desk and I almost didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> I felt like you were on the verge. Maybe you still are. Um, what? Okay, maybe let's just start with the game, and then we can sort of like it's look back more respe- mm. retrospectively. So, the game against Sweden, and like for me, case watching it felt like what I'd seen in the first couple games, where they just lacked that final finishing touch. Like they got themselves into good positions, but then they just lacked in that final third. And and when you look at it now, nil all in that game, they had the, the nil all draw um, against, uh, who was it in the third game? Um, Portugal. Portugal. You know, one all with the Netherlands and then it was two nil, wasn't it, against? Three. Three nil, sorry. So, you know, four four goals in four games for a team that is the favourites. Where, where did it go wrong last night, do you think? Yeah, it's not something that we're used to, not being able to score goals. Um, yeah, four goals in, in four games, and three of those came against Vietnam. Look, I was like super proud of the girls' performance last night. They had been taking a lot of pretty harsh criticism um, across the group stages, and, and fair enough. It definitely wasn't the product that anybody was expecting to see on the field, and they more than rose to the occasion last night. I mean, possession stats alone, I think at one point, Sweden only had like 14% of possession and the U.S. Mm. was like at 77 and they created their opportunities. Um, They deserved to win that game the way they played and um, like just a bit ironic that the one match they actually did play to their level, they don't end up on top. Yeah. And then the penalty shootout, I felt, you know, the first three or four penalties from both teams were 
incredible and then it all just sort of went downhill from there and I've, I said sort of at the top of the show one thing as a footballer when you're taking a penalty you have to hit the target like it can be saved you know and you can or you can you know not not pick the right way but you have to hit the target and you know a number of them sort of went over the bar or went wide so it is it's a heartbreaking way to go out a penalty shootout yeah, I was I was nervous. The game just kind of felt like as it carried on and there weren't any goals from the U.S. that like I, I just had a bad feeling because mm. when you don't finish those opportunities and you let a team stick around, like anything can happen in a penalty shootout. It's, mm. a, it's a coin toss really and credit to the Swedish keeper. She had the absolute game of her life. Um, I don't know if I've seen a better goalkeeping display mm. in the World Cup. Um, but yeah, we got to the pens. We had three opportunities to win, to win the game. Um, but again... I can't fault any of, of those girls. Like, obviously, they put their hands up to take a penalty in the in the biggest moment, um, and it's all mental at that stage. Anybody at that level can pass the ball into the back of the net, but mm. it's coming, t- rising to the occasion. Um, Sophia Smith, her first World Cup, having her as the fifth penalty shooter, I don't know if I agree with that situation. I yeah. mean, she's a heck of a player and, and will be for a very, very long time, but that's a massive moment, and to never be in that, position before yeah how old is she 20 she's 22 or 3 yeah um and yeah I mean and Christy Mewis who literally hadn't touched the ball in a World Cup match gets subs on and buries hers yeah um Alyssa Nair takes the first golden goal one and like makes it the U.S. keeper Mm. and Unfortunately, that's been kind of glossed over because of how the match ended and the U.S. didn't win. But imagine that story. Like, your yeah. goalkeeper, <laughs> like, makes the penalty and you guys go on to win the game. So And, nah. she, and she, I mean, she, it was a fantastic save uh, from her on the end of the eventual winner, the double save. Just millimeters, though, when it when you see that replay, that's... It, the, the whole game had all of the drama and then the penalty shootout was just, like, the cherry on top and just heartbreaking. And I, I was actually confused because when the... The center referee like went like yeah, that I and crossed no, her I thought arms. No I thought she was saying no yeah, goal, but basically yeah. she was negating the call that was made on the field. And yeah. once I saw Sweden running around like crazy, and then when you actually saw the VAR footage, like if you didn't feel bad enough already, that was just the hammer in the coffin. You, you like you always um, when you see uh, it happens in sport all the time. But I saw them running, and I thought no, no, like they're going to get pulled back for yeah. this. Like it's not right. Like the VAR, you know, like you said, you see the VAR image. So I mean, look, a lot of a lot of what I imagine is like sort of fallout. I've seen a lot of media articles from the states and a lot of people on social media. It's it's pretty brutal on a team that you know is back to back World Cup champions. Do you think that is fair, just in terms of um, not, I guess, making it further and challenging for another title? I don't know. Look, it's funny. Everybody. Um has an opinion all of a sudden who's never watched football before <laughs> in their lives and now this is the most important thing and they're so sure what they're saying and um, mm. look it, it's tough for the girls and like in my lifetime I mean they've never finished less than third in a World Cup and mm. it, it's unfair to expect a team to win the World Cup every four years I mean it's just not a believable thing but that is the belief that we bring and this team brings to each tournament because we have been dominant for so long. Um, look, I mean, the, if there's much criticism, I think it'll go towards the coaching staff. Um, you saw just a simple change in formation yesterday from two holding midfielders as opposed to just the one that they've had in the past and having your your wing mid starting position a lot wider, like it just changed the game and it changed how they've played. And I think in the group stages – they weren't set up for success. Mm. Um, and you saw them 
adapt yesterday to the new system that was put in place, and it worked a heck of a lot better. So, look, it's a disappointment. The girls would be more disappointed than anybody in the world. So, I mean, aside from all the criticism and the critiques, like, they're going to be hard enough on themselves. They don't really need it from the outside world, but obviously it'll come. And plenty of them will, will kick on, won't they, like next in the next four years? Or do they have quite a aging squad, as it were? There'll be a handful that are kind of question marks. Um, the Olympics aren't that far away. They're, what, maybe 10, 10 months away. Yeah. Um, Julie Ertz, who's one of our like star players, played center back for us this season, or this World Cup, but has been in the holding position before. Um, she kind of alluded to this could have been the last time she ever put on a jersey, which would be a massive loss for the team. Um, Alex said she doesn't plan on hanging up her boots anytime soon. I think we all know that was Rapino's last World Cup. Um, so yeah, there'll be a couple of the older ones that we're not quite sure yet, but they might be hungry and want to stick around and try to make amends um, in mm. the Olympics. Okay, I feel like I could talk to you about this yeah. for the next half an hour, but just quickly before we do get to new sport and weather, uh, the other um, round of 16 matches, just quickly give me who you think is going to win. England-Nigeria tonight at 730 England, but I don't think it'll be as easy as, as any, everybody might they, think they it will be. They are very, very heavy favourites um, at the TAB. Australia-Denmark, a late-night game at 10.30. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie for sure. Uh, Colombia-Jamaica tomorrow? That's a tough one. I'm going to go Colombia, but it'll be a, that'll be a fun match. Jamaica's like the, everyone's second team now, aren't yeah. they? Um, France-Morocco tomorrow night. France, I think this is where Morocco's uh, run ends. It'd be insane if Morocco did make it through the men's and the women's doing well at their respective World Cups. So then the quarterfinal, uh, two of them are already set um, on uh, Friday, this Friday, uh, Spain-Netherlands. Who do you think is going to get out of there? Yeah, I think that'll be an interesting matchup. Both teams that like to keep the ball. Um, I'm having a hard time knowing who's going to come out on top, but I think I might might tip Spain on this one, but it'll be close. And Japan-Sweden will be later on that night. Yeah, Japan. They'll have had an extra day of rest, and Sweden's gone 120 minutes, so yeah. So (laughs) Japan-Spain go through. Um, I'm not going to try and work out who plays who in those other games, but just of the remaining teams, you're still confident England is probably the favourites? It'll most... Yeah, they're probably the favourites at the moment. Um, Australia will most likely meet France in the quarters, which is massive, and then they could see England in the semi-final. Um, you might see a repeat of Japan, Spain here in the in the semis in, in Auckland. So oh, fantastic! I was looking forward to seeing the USA though, Casey. To be honest, <laughs> next Wednesday. That's why I bought the tickets. But, you and me uh, both, Sammy. Yeah, it'll it'll be a good game, guys, mate. Look, commiserations, obviously, yeah. to you. Um, the good. Well, I don't know if this is any consolation, but you've got some great football coming in the next week and a half. So. I do, and I'll probably be a lot more pleasant to, to sit next to in, in a stand. True, yeah, so I can, I can give you a bit benefit of, for my friends. I can give you some stick, and I won't get in trouble. Uh, we've got to take a break for new sport. Whether it's Casey Berry, the our football expert, we'll catch up with her every day, or uh, certainly every day. We've got games on uh, throughout the rest of the World Cup. Stick with us here. Uh, new sport and weather up next. Show you the money. Oh, it's that time, people, where we revisit the multi that we placed last week. Uh, we're going to catch up with Jimmy Smith in around about 10 minutes' time. You want to listen to this because we have a very, very special surprise for James Smith. But, uh, Robbie, take oh, us through. For that. Take us through. Firstly. Um, yeah, take us through the multi, mate, from last week. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't here. Um, I can't remember what I picked, actually. Well, here we go. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll start with start with Casey, who uh, remained in studio mm-hmm. after your update on yep. last Thursday, mm-hmm. and uh, she simply took Japan 
to beat Norway in the round of 16. Full-time in Wellington and Japan are into the quarterfinals of the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup with a 3-1 win over Norway. She's very smart. Show me the money. <laughs> She's very, very smart, our Casey. Uh, so yep. that's one tick. I'm happy with that. One tick. Yep. Uh, we'll go to Steph next. Great. Uh, he went to the NPC mm-hmm. and he took Tasman. Yes. Over Otago. Head to head. 13 plus. Ooh. So Tasman off to a winning start. They have beaten Otago at Trafalgar Park in the opening match of the 2023 Bunnings NPC. 27 to 15. 27. Oh, Steph. Is that 12? 12. That, that would rip your nighty if that was the that was the anchor. And um, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or not. Uh, it wasn't three out of four. Let's just uh, put it yeah, that way, basically. Okay, good, so, good. Um, yeah, basically, next we will go to you. Who, oh, uh, I think I know what I took now. I think I remember. This is what you took. Mm. You took Marata Niakure to score against the Titans. And uh, this is basically what he did. Niakore gave him just a little slap on the face and I wonder oh. if the referee has penalised him for that. I might go home, Sammy. <laughs> but please don't. Aish Ben Cummins now. Was he going to have a look at this? It was a, it was a reaction slap. He's nah. put him in the bin. Mate, He's Sammy. put him in the bin. That is one of the softest calls you will see in 2023. I agree with that man. Well, I agree with that man. Smart man. Smart. I don't know if he's smart, but, but uh, I agree with him. Right. But, uh, right, yeah, we'll unfortunate us, bit. I was going to put us out of our misery, please. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Just... Well, call a mark. Fourth and last. Um, took Poland to win. Uh, there was a horse. It was a horse. At Flemington on Saturday. Edison wins it. Second, Tijuana. Regards Maria Barkley Square for third. Followed then by Tycoonist. And next to finish, Nicolini Vito. Then Papali, Ulysses, Agap, Carlisle. Poland, ho, ho, there it was. There it was. And yeah, do you know so. what, Mark? I actually jumped on that myself personally and got a couple of mates to jump on it as well. So I'm not going to say shame on you because we almost bet to me and I did as well. But just maybe the last time you played Show Me the Money for a while, Mark. Fair enough. Well, it's a one from four. It was a one from four. Um, we are so bad at that, man. There's something about that. See, I think it's cursed. I think it's a curse. Yeah, I think so too. But I'll be here on Thursday. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. We'll get we'll get, under, we'll get, get around it. It'd be funny if we won one when Steph wasn't here. But, uh,. Yeah, I think it's cursed, man. I'm convinced it's cursed. Right. Uh, We're going to take a break very, very shortly when we come back. Jimmy Smith is going to join us uh, on the other side. We've got a very special surprise for Jimmy that he has absolutely no idea about. And you do want to listen. Trust me, you want to stay listening. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll go across the ditch with Jimmy Smith after this. We are going to go across the ditch and catch up with Jimmy Smith over in Australia. Um, This is going to be very entertaining. I think uh, we should have him there now. Almost perfect. He's had... Is that Samuel? Yeah. Is that Jimmy? <laughs> it is. Is that you, James? It is Samuel. Oh, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm really well. I'm really well. You know what really upset me over the course of the weekend? I'm just waiting for it. I'm just waiting okay. for it. Is it going to... Yeah. I'll tell you what... Oh, well, it's not, oh sorry. You're not, it's not going to get a play today. Are you being... Oh, no. I've already played it twice Oh, today. okay. Sure. Because I had something to play you, actually. Oh, well, in the end... Uh... Let's get into this. Sean Johnson with the little one-two step off the left foot. It's vintage SJ. It's go. funny. Is it, sorry, Jimmy. I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right person. Is it? Is this the same, Jimmy? Um... And also, Jimmy, the Netball World Cup. Australia, they thrash Fiji 101 of 32 in Cape Town. They're flashing. Netball. Everyone's not flashing. <laughs> Is that? Anyway, no. <laughs> yeah. They are thrashing everyone. Uh, oh. is, that, is that you, Jimmy? 
Well, we don't have any insight of what they did after the victory, so I'm st- standing by my original comments. Sure, sure. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what really did fascinate me um, over the weekend, Jimmy. I was um, I was driving um, driving around on Saturday, um, just doing a couple of errands, listening to ECNZ as I always do, and just heard an ad come on, which uh, I was very very interested in, and maybe a little intro, a little teaser into what might be further down the pipeline for a certain brand of yours. And I think uh, Robbie's actually gone and found the ad for us. Robbie, do you just want to play it out for Jimmy? Go, 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 magic. The hottest by north of Havana. And the go, 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 magic. Music and fashion were always the fashion at the go, go. Go, go, magic. Oh, my God. Are you feeling a little loco? Oh. Why not try some cocoa? Cocoa Magic, that is. A unique blend of 100% coconut water, Cocoa Magic is full of vitamins, nutrients, and good times to keep you hydrated and energized throughout the day. Throw it in a mojito, blend <laughs> it into a smoothie, or even just drink it on its own. It's that good. Designed, produced, and hand-squeezed by former NRL star and agricultural economist James Smith. <laughs> You'll be the life of the party with a box of Coco Magic. Wow. So go on, order online, or just through James Direct. Just call his home line on plus 61-02-9876-5432. Coco Magic, tell them we sent you. Wow, I didn't Jingle, know you could buy... Um, oh, sorry. Sorry. So I just heard that on my travels, and um, is Coco Magic coming to New Zealand finally, Jimmy? Uh, so many things to unpack with that. Uh, so first of all, the production meeting where you went, I know, why don't we do this two-minute skit? The other thing is I didn't know you could buy airtime in two-minute blocks over there in New Zealand. That's Jimmy, good to know. You know, you, you, you tell me. Clearly this has come out of Coco Magic, so I'm, I'm none the wiser. Yeah, I, yeah. you tell oh, me oh. how you were able to get a two-minute ad on radio. Apologies to Barry Manilow. Obviously, <laughs> you know, of, of all the songs that I sing – um, when I'm doing karaoke, uh, the Copacabana is probably my favourite. I did it just the other day. It's no at a coincidence. Funeral, so there it's you no go. It's no coincidence, exactly. Jimmy. And here's here's the other part of it too, mm-hmm. which I, I find extraordinary. When I was thinking about the backup singers that that we had there, I couldn't help but think about. You may not know this. You might be a bit young for it, but Jason Martin, the former halfback for the North Sydney Bears, had a song that he released. He, beautiful blonde hair, pop star, good looks. And it was take me to the top like that. And <laughs> sure. the North Sydney Bears were the backup singers. And all I can think of is Pat Jarvis, the former big front rower, <laughs> there as the backup singer to Jason Martin's Take Me to the Top. I'm going to send you the YouTube clip. Please do. Straight straight after this segment. Please. You've had a lot of time on your hands, Samuel. I uh, will say that. The other thing I wanted to say, <laughs> the thing that the thing that caught my attention yeah. on Friday night. Yes. Jackson Ford. Yep. If there is 10 metres between you and the corner post and there's no defender standing there and you have the ball, mm. run in that direction. Yeah. Rather than step back and 
offer a lovely little try assist to Jaden Campbell, who was playing fullback for the opposition. Are you talking about the try that was um, the result of a knock-on um, just about half a second earlier? Is that the same oh, one? Oh, okay. Is that, sorry, is that the play? I'm just trying to remember. I think that might well, have been the play that was knocked on and then the Warriors uh, picked it up. But anyway, that's uh, that's another play. I do take your point about Jackson Ford. Jimmy, the thing is, and I'd be interested to hear how you view this, I, I came out at the top of the show today and I said, I feel like the Warriors are the best of the rest. They are, from three through to ten, the best team. But when I watch Brisbane and when I watch Penrith over the weekend, it's a Brisbane without Adam Reynolds as well and Penrith, they are just a step above. And I don't think, the, as much as we want to say Warriors grand final and, and Warriors made in premiership, I just don't think that's 2023 yet for the Warriors. Okay, so I went a step further at the top of the show. So whatever you said at the top of the, your show, I'm going to top you, right? Because I was listening in and I thought, how, okay. do, I top, how sure. do I top what Sammy said? Mm-hmm. I think it's... Roll up, roll up. Who would like to be the losing grand finalists against the Penrith Panthers this year? Yep. That's that's my thought on it. And if you had to say who's next, I would say the Broncos. So mm. I'm, mm. I'm with you on that point. The, but but that's not to say that the Warriors can't make the grand no, final. of course but, not. Yeah, but but to me, I look at the, what the Panthers did against the Melbourne Storm. Down players, like yeah. down some some players and and to do it so comprehensively I'm like oh no one's beating this and, juggernaut and you and the, the, especially defensively you watch them and you just I can't see anyone breaking that down and the only team that might is the Broncos given how many weapons they've got <coughs> sort of out back for them but I th- I think you're bang on like the Warriors might make the grand final but it's not just the game Jimmy like the Panthers have been in our three well, they would have been there 3 years before and an extra year now they know what the weeks like they know the media commitments they know the the luncheons the old boys that come in, they know what it's like when the lights go down and they run out onto the field, which they didn't know in 2020, right? When they went down Correct. to Melbourne, and it's and it yeah. looked like they didn't know. I just I wonder, and the Warriors, sort of legends of old, who made the 2011 and 2002 Grand Finals, all said they used so much mental, emotional, physical energy just getting to the Grand Final that by the time they got there, they were spent, and that Penrith just don't have that problem. The old, you got to lose one to win one. So the thing yep. going for the Warriors is that Sean Johnson, deeply experienced. Adam Fanua Blake, Torhu Harris, mm-hmm. deeply experienced. So that's that's where you can overcome that if you've got a lot of representative players that have played in big games. So they've played in big international games. Um, the Broncos, on the other hand, they've got Adam Reynolds, who's a premiership winner. They've got uh, Kurt Capewell, who's a premiership winner. Payne Haas has played in big games. But beyond that, they've got a lot of young players who might be playing. And, and as you say, burn up their energy. Mark Carroll talks about it, mm. uh, the grand final of 1995. He, he said, I had the game played during the week. Yeah. And, and then had nothing for, for the game that was played against the Bulldogs. Mate, we're going to have to go. Oh, it's disappointing. I was going to play that ad out again. <laughs> I'll send that to you, though, because uh, just in case, I know it's over here in New Zealand. You might want to play it over in, on SEN over in Aussie as well. So we'll send you the copy. Yeah, no, we'll buy out the whole five-minute ad block and we'll, Brilliant. we'll just run it through. I, I be bet fantastic. you can afford it, Jimmy. Uh, good on you, Sammy. <laughs> All right, Thank Jimmy. You. See you, mate. Right. There you go, Jimmy Smith. How about that? The uh, Coco Magic ad, which we found on the weekend, Robbie. That's good detective work from you, mate. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll go back in the day. Here's what happened back in the day. We will go back in the day just uh, quickly. Coco Magic, for people that didn't know, is uh, Jimmy Smith's Coconut Water Company. That might make a bit more sense to people that had absolutely no idea what was going on five minutes ago. What happened back in the day on this day, August 7th, back in 2005, that famous 
Uh, Ashes finish, uh, England beating Australia by two runs in the second test at Edgbaston, needing 107 runs to win with two wickets in hand. Australia's tail end has almost got an unlikely win, only for number 10 Michael Kasperowitz to controversially uh, be caught out by keeper Durant Jones for 20. Brettley remained unbeaten on 43. Kasperowitz, gone! Richie Benno, I think that was. Not that I sounded anything like him. Um, if only England had that this year. Birthdays today, Greg Chappell turning 75. Greg Chappell. Uh, Juan Martin Hernandez, the uh, Argentinian rugby utility, turns 41 today. Sidney Crosby, Sid the uh, Kid, turning 36 today. He's a uh, NHL star. Uh, on this day in 2000, if you're having a birthday, your number one movie was Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon. The number one song by InSync. That was a bit of a detour from all the country we were playing on the station. Anyway, that's us for a Monday, the run home. Coming up next, we'll see you tomorrow.